my God, man. Look what's happening again for the 301st fucking time. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernardin. Hey! Oh. We're here, man. It's a Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock here in Los Angeles, 7 o'clock and change back mm. east, 4 o'clock and change here. It's not, we're not on, it's not like fucking atlantic time or some sort of shit we're just three hours different well in london it's 10 p.m if you're following that I mean, maybe 11 i don't know how math hey works. america first i don't know if you've been paying attention these last four years mark but we don't care what time it is in england we don't care much about anything Mer no not at all except <laughs> running from germs we can't fucking see anymore um yes it's late in england man thanks for hanging in there with us if you're british mm. um thanks for hanging in there with us if you're in the united arab emirates do you think we got anybody yeah there's like three guys think so <laughs> yeah like going like it's on <laughs> we got it motherfuckers <laughs> it's hot out and it's on <laughs> uh well welcome back ladies and gentlemen uh boy we got a fucking show for you don't think we don't man we're a couple guys right here, man. We've only come here seeking knowledge. Things they would not teach us back in college. <laughs> Stole those lines. Fucking well done. Thank you. <laughs> Sting. Uh, and believe it or not, man, our show's so fucking good. We got a sponsor this week. It's so hot. It's so sweaty. It's so down to pound such ground. A, such a good fucking segue to the sponsor, too. Right, I know. Uh, that's right, man. It's, it is, uh, if you are feeling sweaty, mm. as Mark said, and you're like, fuck, I just want to get some deal all over my body, but fuck aluminum. I don't want any of that aluminum. <laughs> Every time I use a goddamn roll-on, I'm putting all this aluminum. It clogs my pores and shit. I get sick. Aluminum killed my dreams. Yeah. And the odor a little bit, but my dreams on top of it. <laughs> my Just, dreams are like my first cat. You could fucking wear deodorant without wearing aluminum. Wait. You know no. what aluminum belongs? On the side of a house. It's my father used to say. And he was not an aluminum cider. You so, mean I'm not supposed to be wrapped in foil at all times? No, no. Only it to protect, in your, the flavor? protect yourself from the <laughs> fucking rays that are coming from above. Hell no, man. You could be using deodorant. It's got no aluminum in it. Aluminum in it. No aluminum. Al or as the British say, aluminium. Aluminium. Yes. What's it called? Tell them. Native. There it is, ladies. Son. Native D-O. Go to nativedo.com. N-A-T-I-V-E. D-E-O.com, ladies and gentlemen. Use the code, of course. Uh, oh, no, it's not a code. It's a, it's a longer address. And there is a code. There's more. Oh, I'm huh? fucking this up. We're already Shut dropping up, the ball. NativeDO.com slash Fatman. Don't mm. forget that part. Then use the promo code Fatman. Twice you get to write that. And it may make your blood boil because you're like, fuck Mel Gibson, but we had it first. He did. Yeah. And if your blood is boiling and you want to cool yourself down, native deodorant. Oh, my God. So on point. I'm Look trying you. my best. You're, you're the Don Draper of this bitch, man. <laughs> you can, so next, you're going to be taking me on a like journey through my childhood with deodorant and shit like he did with the fucking carousel. <laughs> Silver tongue devil. Mark is absolutely right, man. Native Dio is going to keep you fresh. And that's mm -hmm. what you need in this world. Think about it. We're yeah. all funky now. Never, yeah. People don't shower every damn day because they don't have to go anyplace. You don't need a shower. There's, here's their pitch, ready? <laughs> Fuck a shower. You got native Dio, man. You don't need to be running no shower. You just pop that shit up. And then if anybody's like, oh, the aluminum, you're like, not this shit. Nope. Foil free, son. 
foil free. <laughs> I'm not no Jiffy Pop. Nope. Um, These pits is clean and pure. They don't just block odor, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's just made better. It's got ingredients that you've heard of, huh? like coconut oil. Shut up. Some I'm, some of these ingredients I've eaten. Mm. Shea butter and tapioca starch. Are you sure this isn't a snack? <laughs> it it's a do be. and a snack. It's deodorant <laughs> and a snack. Uh, Native says don't eat their deodorant, ladies and gentlemen. No. But they do got all natural ingredients. Um, al, al, uh, boy, now I want to say British. Style. Aluminium. Aluminium. Do it. Aluminum, as my dad would say. Uh, or tin foil, as my mom <laughs> would say. Aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating. Did you know that? I didn't. That's how it works. All these years, you're like, you know, nobody, this is what I hate about myself. All these years, Mark, I've never questioned the science of why deodorant makes me stop sweating and makes me not stink as much. And I all it is, is shellacking me with wax to keep the sweat in. He's saying it for the first time. They're just fucking fuck like layer up with some aluminum. That'll help and stuff. <laughs> uh, this stuff is vegan. <gasps> That's right, for a fellow like myself. So Ooh. I could eat it. If I get like lost in the Andes and stuff, before I'm like, I got to eat my friend Mark. I'm eating this. I'm eating the native Dio. So and I'm breaking a piece off for him. Don't. I got a case of native deodorant right in the bag. <laughs> ah, all right. Good point. It's vegan. <laughs> um, switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice an odor protection. Heavens no. Native's going to keep you smelling fresh, feeling fresh uh, all day long. My favorite scent is lavender. I'm a big lavender guy. So their lavender Dio. Oh, it makes you smell like a dream. They got like four special seasonal uh, pumpkin sets. spice. One of them? Uh, no, because you will get drank in public if you smell like public spice. Yeah, no, they, they, pubic spice. They're steering away from the basic bitch flavors, and, uh, <laughs> and so they got coconut milk and turmeric. Ooh, butter, cream, and turmeric. I it's in know, my potato chips. I saw my vegan potato chips. Yeah, Must it, be good. Comes out the earth. It's it's all spicy. It's got a little uh, zing kick to it. it. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. A uh, buttercream and French vanilla. Which Ooh. again, if you're looking to eat somebody, you want them to be tasting like buttercream and French vanilla. No doubt. And for a guy like me, it's vegan, but they call it buttercream, so I could probably enjoy this butter. There you go. Just put that shit on your toast. Oh. Uh, blood orange and clove. And you ever wanted to smell like a fucking bowl of blood oranges? <laughs> Now's your chance, man. Sacrifice the blood oranges. Yes, not just regular oranges. Who wants to smell like mandarins or, or the oranges you go get at Ralph's? Navel gazing, no fucking blood orange gaze that you shit. You want that blood oranges scent all over you, man. People respect the smell of a blood orange. They really do. And rosemary and lemon zest. These, Everybody loves rosemary. They do. And lemon zest, the best. And it rhymes. Yeah. Um, those fall seasonal flavors available from now until January of next year. Oh, come on, man. Smell delicious. Just do me a favor. These cats kind enough to sponsor the show. Go buy some deodorant from them, would you, man? Yeah, stop stinking so much. Go to Yeah, look, we're not <laughs> making a judgment call on you, but if you need it, go to these cats because they like us. NativeDO.com slash Fatman. Native, N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O. Dot com slash Fatman and use the promo code Fatman to check out. You get 20% off your first order. What? You ain't going to get a better deal than that. Most places are always like 15. Natives just like 20. Fuck it. Double down. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. Should have warned you about that. Um, NativeDO.com slash Fatman. Use the promo code Fatman at checkout. You're going to get 20%. Off your first story. We can vouch for it, man. They sent us shit. We get to use it. Smells like it. My my wife actually said, oh, my God, finally you're wearing deodorant. I said, because this shit ain't got any aluminum in it. It's vegan. Yeah. We had a big fight and shit. So Native Dio helped me win that fight against my wife. (laughs) An ongoing fight that I'll never win. But we won a battle. 
yesterday, damn it, because I smelled like lavender and shit. Excellent. Nate, you want to defeat your wife in an argument finally? NativeDO.com slash Batman. Win the battle against your wife, the <laughs> war there. against Dio. There you go. You can tell I'm not the Don Draper of this bitch. I'm like, I'm like, uh, try to spin a slogan. Win the battle against your wife, the war all. against I'm her. like, I'm like an account man, like Pete. I shouldn't mm. be spinning a fucking lines and pitching. I should be working the account, servicing the customer, but I got out of my manager bag, started pitching ideas and shit. You can tell I watched <laughs> Mad Men quite a lot, quite religiously. Um, okay. Uh, that's what's going on in the world. So enjoy. No, that's just, <laughs> that's, just, that's just the beginning of the show. That just gets us off and running. I saw somebody attacked us last week for doing a very long, who was the sponsor last week? Uh, Manscaped. No, I don't think they were. No, it was something else, but they, DoorDash. DoorDash. They were like, you did a 20 minute DoorDash ad. And I'm like, well, was it funny? Did you use it? Like, what? Am, the show's free. Yeah. He's sitting there swamped by nachos that he ordered from somebody. He's like, fucking DoorDash ad. Crunch, crunch. Sorry. Yeah, man. I know. It's, uh, Surf is selling you things you could use. Yeah. It was, it was we're just, we were just having a good time. Sorry we were enjoying ourselves. Two middle aged men, you know, leaving our houses, coming out here doing a show. And we were just chuckles. About DoorDash, having a good time, doing our job, having a good time. My father worked at the post office, hated his fucking job every day of his life. He would have loved if one day they were like, here, Don, here's a DoorDash commercial to do. <laughs> he would have been like, what the fuck? I'm I work on the mail sorting machine. They're like, it doesn't matter. Tonight, DoorDash. He would have gotten some friends together. They would have had a good time. My father would have come home in the morning. He would have been like, you know what? doesn't suck so bad anymore. The United States Post Office. Because now I'm doing ads for DoorDash. And maybe, I don't know, things might have changed. They'll never change if you don't fucking let them like we do where we play with the thing and shit. Gotta see what, it's, what could come out of it, man. Meanwhile, DoorDash is like, thanks for the free ad. Yeah. By the way, nativedo.com slash fat man. That's what we're talking about this week. Right. Or Manscaped. Well, they didn't pay this week. Yeah. But we will talk about them when they pay. You know who should pay? I saw a lot of notes about that last week. Yeah. They like, I like, I like Drunk Kev much better. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Way to go. <laughs> My mom was one of the people who wrote that. <laughs> I like Drunk Kev much better. I've known Kev for 50 years. Drunk Kev. That's. I wish he had come out of my womb. <laughs> well, at least it's just new. Yeah. It's That's new. it, right? So I'm going to tell my mom. In fact, I'm going to call her online right now on the air. Be like, Mark said it's just new, Mom. Yeah, it's okay. You just wanted some of the strange. And I understand, but. She's like, no, son, you're better. You're better drunk. <laughs> um, High school would have been so different if you were drunk for all of it. Yeah. Fucking looking back, you might have been something, she said to me. And then she hung up. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got a show to do, ladies and gentlemen. We do. We got some stuff to talk about. Uh, we got news, as always. Mark brought us news and stuff. Mm. Uh, but we got a guest this week. But we're minutes away from the guest, correct? Ten minutes, so let's fucking dive into this news. When we'll break or, it up. Or, or, Unless you got opening shit to talk about. I mean, there's something happened to you this week. Anything happened to me this week? Well, let's talk about that shirt. Number one, show it <laughs> off, Martin. What's up, y'all? Martin, how y'all been? Martin, Ma Martin Manhunter. Come yeah, on. it's uh, from the same people who brought you Flash Groden. Oh, <laughs> Martin. Who Man. is that company? They uh, deserve an ad. Go ahead, shout them out. Uh, who is Rico dot com? Is the who set. is Rico? Yeah. Whoisrico.com. Uh, clever uh, shirts. Very clever shirts. And so once I saw this one, I was like, listen, this is out of my color wheel. Usually I am not. What is, do you know what green is? Is it an autumn? Is it a winter? What is uh, it's that? It's a spring. Green's a spring. Is it? It's, it's the, it feels it's, very wintry. It's a winter it? mix to me. Yeah. 
Because green is the color of life. It's a fucking Easter color. He walked in like fucking Father Christmas himself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, tis the season. <laughs> and then he goes, fuck you. You've been dressed for Lent for like two years straight. I'm like, hey, here's my purple jacket. And then the show began and we stopped fighting. Then we started talking about Native Dio. We did. Right on the same page again. <laughs> Native Dio, bringing people together. <laughs> yes. Smell good. Be friends. Native Dio. They're like, look, we got a slogan. We don't need your help. No, we're pitching your slogans. That's the price for <laughs> these writers. That's what we do. I, uh, I've been pitching. I just got finished pitching Green Hornet. No, there's one more pitch to do. We were supposed to be done, and then this other place was like, pitch us! You know, we're not here, too! And, yeah, so we wound up doing it for them. Or we're doing it for them this week. They'll be the last one. But um, I I used to hate pitching. Yeah? Yeah, like traveling to a fucking place and then sitting in their lobby and then going in. You're always, like, fucking hat in hand, like, please, sir, can I have some more? And they're like, Bleh! I don't know if you've ever <laughs> seen that movie. <laughs> Oliver? Yeah. <laughs> Musical. Please, sir, I'm have another. Um, so... This, you know, you open your laptop, you're like, hey, I got some ideas. And Give me they're money. like, I don't like them. You're like, all right, go fuck yourself. And you close your laptop, you go back to your life. It's pretty fucking amazing, man. So no offense taken if they're like, we're not going to pick up that show. I'm like, I, I'm, all I did was put on a jacket and sit at my desk in front of an open laptop. And I do that pretty much all the time without the jacket. <laughs> now I'm getting to a place with these fucking pitches where I'm like, fuck it, I'm wearing a robe. Why am I putting the pretense on? Of the jacket, I'm home. <laughs> I have, I'm like, I'm I, I, in deep inside. I'm like, if I'm not wearing the jacket, they're like, well, that ain't him. <laughs> it doesn't have the hat, doesn't have the jacket. I'm not sure who this person is. Exactly. So I give them the full package and stuff. Oh, what yeah. about you? You uh, got a job, right? Uh, I'm I'm currently uh, still gainfully unemployed, mm -hmm. but in the middle of a couple of things. There's a there's a show that I pitched. On... Oh, I know a thing that you're going. The, you you know, mentioned, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mark's got some fucking hot prospects, man. Good thing there's a spit guard between us because I was like, hot prospects. <laughs> I was fucking Thanks, Sylvester. Daffy. Good God. <laughs> uh, Mark does have, like, here's my thing when I'm, I mean, we can't tell him what it is, but imagine one of these. He's got a few hot prospects. And when I say hot, I mean fucking hot. One or more of these things go through. How do you handle it here? Because <laughs> you're going to know things that, like, of different walks of life, of mm -hmm. different genres, of different properties that we talk about here. Like, I guess you did it pretty good with Star Trek. But, like, I'm not a Star Trek guy where I was, like, constantly... <laughs> She's just needling me. Yeah, like, what does fucking Picard say this week? And you're like, Come on, man, tell me about it, tell me about it, tell me about it. Yeah. Um, how, 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 how would you handle it? I think we're going to have to erect another wall <laughs> <laughs> between, <laughs> between the real world and the podcast world and the podcast world man but yeah. like fucking you'll tell me though because uh you know i won't tell you anything there you go um yeah man i then again don't because sometimes i like spill shit where i'm like <laughs> oh fuck that nobody knew like, that. Did, did was that not public knowledge yeah i sometimes forget there's so much going on but yeah that's and, right you got some shit when do you go in on that stuff um one of them happened last week <gasps> how'd it go um i think it went pretty well you know it's always hard to tell um, I have the worst meeting radar, I think, when, like, you go into a room and you're talking for about an hour. And a lot of that hour is talking about yourself. Like, here's here's who I am, guys. Here's my sort of path to where we got here. And mm. hopefully through that 45 minutes of conversation, they'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. He's from here. This is how he, he works. He's a little conscientious. He He's not kidding. It's like that opening few minutes is essentially you, them going, 
All right, he's a, he's not a replicant. He's a human being. <laughs> he tells the story about his family, about some right. other job, very anecdotal. Um, all right, he's we'll hear his pitch now. He's not a robot. It's essentially <laughs> that when you go online and they're like, which one of these is a street sign? <laughs> like They just want to talk to you for a few minutes and be like, you better not be one of these robots. Yeah, he better be able to read the street sign. <laughs> Jane Espenson used to call them the uh, are you wearing pants meeting. Where it's like, listen, they read your script. They know you can write. They've invited you in. Basically, it's, are you the kind of person who shows up for an important meeting wearing pants? I if, guess that's true. If the answer to that question is yes, then great. We can probably, you know, go to work with you. If you don't show up in pants, yeah, it's it's them you trying show to find... Up, you show up dick or muff out. Oh, man. If you're not getting that job. You will get another job for sure. <laughs> yeah, if But you ain't getting that job. If you're putting them on the glass in the meeting, then maybe that's not so hot. Um, so yeah, a but lot they'll of talk these, about you forever. Oh, you'll be the best. Yeah, like do you remember when fucking that lady came muff out? <laughs> we were about to hire her, but like fucking muff. <laughs> how, how do you work with that? Like weird call, judgment not so high. <clears throat> writer's room, not writer's muff. Yeah, out they go. So, but for a Zoom call, you can't judge the pants. So it's now there's a little bit more of that. That's true. So that you could literally, I could be on the pitch wearing all this, but down below, just like. Homelander at the end of the boys, <laughs> right on the top. Like I could do anything. I could do anything. <laughs> yes, yes, you could. Um, uh, we've just given away all our Zoom secrets now. I know. Sorry, just dick swinging, guys. Sorry about that. That's how you could pitch better. So wait, you did the one pitch last week, and then you got the new pit, the other pitch coming this week. I got the other pitch coming this week, and then uh, signs and papers on a pitch that I delivered in August. Mm. Um on a project that I first met with pre-COVIDlia back in January. Back in the in the olden days. Back in the, yeah, in the before times. Yeah. Um, and so, because that's how long shit takes in Hollywood. Like, the first call comes in January. It takes six months to get into the room to pitch your idea. They buy it in the room, and then another, like, three months before the contracts happen. So that's what happened. Can't talk about what it is. He ain't lying, kids. Like, when you hear... In my experience, even things that are bought in a room take months. Like, mm -hmm. it's never like, you know, you pitch. They're like, oh, my God, I love that. And then you go to work the next day. Now, you could go to work. Possibly. Nobody's stopping you. But yeah. they're not going to pay you until they go through <laughs> months of contract negotiations. And Because remember, whatever it is you're selling, whatever story you're trying to sell them, they're going to exploit if if you're in the room and you're having this very serious conversation it means that they want to exploit the shit out of that idea they want to make sure that it's theirs mm -hmm. for time immemorial and stuff so every piece of fucking every t will be crossed every i will be dotted and stuff and then by the time they're like your agent is like hey here's the contract to sign you're like for what <laughs> what was that thing yeah remember that thing that is your whole fucking life and you're, yeah that's happening oh my god i'm ready and um, that's if you're lucky. That's if you're lucky. Then there's people like me who you pitch a lot and you're like, all right, well, no, nothing, nothing. Right. See you on Clerks 3. And Thanks, then you Dan. fuck off. So, yeah, that's that's been the sort of the, the events of the week have been that. You know, and always prepping, prepping for this, you know, figuring out how to, to sort of put a bow tie on the end of the Battlestar podcast that I do um, with Trisha. And uh, I don't know, man, starting new shit. But it's the weird, like, not currently on a, on a staff, so not currently employed. Mm -hmm. Can't just, like, swing into a long-term thing because I could get a job in a week or two. Right. Um, so it's, it's this weird little no period of, like, I guess I'll just play this video game again. Ooh. 
That's, that's some mute time then. A little bit of mute time. What game are you playing? Uh, I downloaded uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew. And? Uh, it's it's frustratingly fun. We're basically like, you are the captain of a starship and you're going on encounters. And like, it is not the rock'em sock'em, like, we're just shooting other spaceships. We're going to blow up the Klingons. It's, oh, reroute energy to the shields. Oh, are um, you shitting me? Yeah, literally. It's, it's like it's, that Lord of the Rings game that Muse liked where he's like, first you build a farm. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? When you start killing orcs, they're like, oh, that's months later. Just you wait, buddy. First, I've got to raise crops to sell <laughs> for the money to buy the orc army. You're like, what? This is a game? It's the mundanity of being a starship captain i guess that'd be kind of hot if it's just like power down to three i guess yeah uh half speed uh <laughs> you know open a hailing frequency I lithium crystals <laughs> how are we how are we doing can we yeah. how many of those you got and do they come in bunches what is the let's send a repair crew to aft decks four five and six red shirt <laughs> um how's it been uh it's been it's been like the perfect level of engagement, which is not especially <laughs> engaged. <that kind laughs> yeah, of, of like you know, oh, this is fun, but I also am not at all just motivated to be up until four o'clock in the morning playing. Right, you're ready to drop it at a moment's notice. Yes, unlike you know, one of the games we will talk to our guest about, Last of Us Part Two. That's right. Um, which yes, I was up till like three o'clock in the morning playing. You played many hours. You talked Indeed. about it, and then you got on fights on twitter about oh yeah we're gonna talk about that too um the uh, uh we announced last week and then this week on tuesday we'll be announcing further uh that we're doing a movies pop-up in chicago mm -hmm. so on tuesday we announced the exact location and on thursday tickets go on sale for the reservations and stuff me and jay are going out there to chicago area to do a jay and silent bob good old McHenry outdoor theater on november 1st um, so we're getting ready to do it again. This movie's thing is, it's a whole, yeah, yeah. There's, there's cities lined up, man, which is kind of exciting because you get to be creative each time and stuff. Um, Nate, who does all our artwork, mm -hmm. um, dark Nate returns, uh, Nate Gonzalez has just like outdid himself with the artwork that we've been doing, uh, for movies, man. And you should see, I, this week you'll see when we announce, the Chicago location, the artwork that he did mm -hmm. for it is like where you're like, holy shit, and has now set the template for all the other cities where it's like, okay, let's locate that mm -hmm. and then zero in on that for like our campaign. Nice. So it's been fun, man. It's less, you know, there's always food involved, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a restaurant, but it's only a week and stuff. It's less about that for me and more about the like, all right, let's make a thing. <laughs> Let's make a T-shirt that has this on it and stuff like that. So we're that's what we've been doing all week, getting ready for the big movies announcement and stuff. And then by the end of the month, we'll be out there for the opening. When the sound hustle becomes the main hustle. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you always got to be limber kids, ready to pivot and open to suggestion and stuff. Like, you know, six months ago, this movie shit did not exist in my life. Mm -hmm. Six months later, it's a driver where it's like, Oh, we're going to here. We're going here and stuff. And while we're there, you could do this. So if, uh, yeah. if you want to talk about having to pivot, I once was a filmmaker and then I was a bar owner <laughs> and now I stream content. I was going to say, what are you pivoting to next, man? Because bar owner has been a little tough this year. JC, of course, who runs this here establishment, Scum and Villainy Cantina. Um, he started life as a pop-up as well. 
and then took the pop-up. It was like, hey, I think this would work as a reality and built this place that thrived right up until the whole world like shut down and stuff. Um, but you ain't giving up. You're fucking, you're down like a clown to continue. We're, we're here. I mean, it's the four or five of us hanging out here every week, but hopefully one day people will put on a mask and uh, we'll be able to reopen. <laughs> he said without wearing a mask. What is the, <laughs> <laughs> what is the, um, what's the word out here in Los Angeles? Like we still can't go to the movies, right? We still can't go to the movies. And uh, I know Disney was yelling at the governor because Disney is not allowed to open yet and they're like but we're open everywhere else in the world um so if they're not letting disney open i don't have a lot of faith that we're going to be open anytime soon it'd be amazing if they're like look governor was like before we open your fucking precious disney world the scum and villainy cantina has been closed for months well i mean to be fair dealing with disney world size crowds i can understand being hard we're like guys we can let 100 people in here maybe you know, we could do, we have that 50 folks in here. We can keep them separate. Come on, governor. Let's come and villainy open. Fuck Disney. Yeah. Let's all tweet in all caps, liberate scum and villainy and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't need a nerd hostage crisis. <laughs> um, are we close for our guest? Uh, yeah, she just popped in. So let me. Uh... So we'll talk her up, man. Let me, she's got to get her video on and then, so why don't you uh, do the intro and I'll bring her on we'll in. All, and then we'll all get our video on. We got a guest, God damn it. We As do. Mark's uh, hinted at before, um, a guest who featured prominently in a game that Mark played. <laughs> and then, Best intro. <laughs> thank you. I had to walk him through that. In case my mom was watching, I guess. <laughs> and then remember, Mark was talking about the last what was the Last of Us. Last of Us. And then, like Mark, who's like the sweetest guy in the world and shit. A bunch of people on Twitter were like, "Go fuck yourself! How you think you it's like better than game. the Godfather and shit like that?" You're the worst for liking a game that I'm ambivalent on. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're gonna talk to somebody uh, today who's like the star of that game, but also we're not gonna we talk about a little bit about that game because we'll have to because fucking Mark. Yeah is a psycho fan but really she's here to talk about critical role critical role which is a whole different fucking thing that this show has never really talked about except once i think we talked about the kickstarter when they did the kickstarter and then we talked about it getting picked up by amazon yes yes and then we talked about me writing an episode of the animated show that was picked up based on the kickstarter on amazon did you write one of the episodes i did yeah how did that fucking happen? What the? The mysteries of Hollywood? I give you work. You don't fucking get me a job. I brought you to Eternia, man. Uh, when did this happen? Did you talk about it on the show? I think I did. I think I did. Yeah. How did start paying year. attention more to our own show? <laughs> well, one of us is stoned a lot. That's true. Good point. Maybe that's why I don't get in the good jobs. What? You wrote a whole episode? I wrote a whole episode. I was Wait, in- were you familiar with? Critical Role. For those who are like, what the fuck? Critical Role is an online, uh, like it's a D&D, a campaign game that a bunch of kids, voice actors, uh, started playing it like back in what? Yeah, just to have fun. And, and doing it on Twitch and shit. And that, the first campaign was like 96 years. No, they went like <laughs> two years with a with a fucking game where, you know, you sit around and make it up as you go along. You don't know. I don't have to explain role playing. So, <laughs> or Twitch. Or Twitch. Yeah, or fucking anybody watching, they're like, <laughs> Please, man, please kept explain us <laughs> how Twitch works. Yeah, how fucking you old man. <laughs> so in any event, like it 
caught on and became a thing and they kept going with it. And then where it popped up on my radar was the Kickstarter campaign right. where they, they were, tried to get a, like a little money for four episodes. And well, the they, wanted to, do one, they like, wanted to do one episode, a pilot. Yeah. And they were like, listen, if we can get like $750,000, we can make this animated pilot. We have Titmouse, you know, on standby to do it. We just need the money. And he ain't saying that to be dirty. That's a real company. That's a real company. And, uh, and so. In, Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. They, they asked for 750000 and they got something like $11 million. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> the most successful TV or media campaign that Kickstarter uh, has ever had. And so those have not premiered yet, though, because of the quarantine or whatever. Um, well, like, no. I remember them getting the, getting the they, money. They got like, that $11 million. And then Amazon came on and said, hey, we will add. That's to right. That was the other story. They're like, and, you want more fucking money? Here, yeah, here's the we'll, best We'll do Amazon. two seasons of this. Instead of one episode, we'll give you two seasons of a show. And so I was in the, a mini room helping to break the first season of the show. And on the back end of that, I spent a week in the mini room. And they said, hey, would you write episode eight? And I said, I would love to. What's happening in episode eight? Um, and that was the work of the mini room. And so, yeah, that was like last year, I think. I think, and re relatively hot on the heels of He Man. So, when, so were, were you familiar with Critical Role prior to that? I wasn't. And I think that's one of the reasons why they were looking for somebody like me. So you can who, get in there, get smart, and have an outside opinion. Right. Who played DD &D and who understand how that world worked, um, who had a sense of humor, but did not have any real relationship to the content. So I could be the guy who asked the questions that everybody out there who liked it wouldn't have asked, mm. you know, or was familiar with it wouldn't have asked. And, but it was super easy to get on and everybody involved was really accommodating and, and welcoming and, and loved it so much, you know, and it's so easy to get involved with something where everybody on board is, uh, is a fan of it. And they built their own thing. Like yes. that's to me, one of the best parts of the story is just like, they, they have something, they all own it. Mm -hmm. All the kids that work on the show, like from what I understand, like they own the content of the campaign you'd have to right because yeah. when you're playing those games, you're just making shit up you're writing out loud yeah extemporaneously and stuff so um critical role uh, very very successful and now critical role rather than just being like huzzah we fucking kick ass in our corner of the world have, are taking it a step further and making the rest of us feel like shit by doing something very noble <laughs> and uh we're gonna hear about that plus so much more uh right now from our guest do we have her Is Let's bring her on. Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Ash. Hey. How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hi. So good. We're going to go personal in a few minutes. And when I, that sounds threatening. We're going to go personal, <laughs> so fucking get ready. But tell them what the... Let's fucking go. Yeah, we got a list. What is the... What is the the what are you doing right now with Critical Role? Why are you here today? Tell them why you're doing. Okay, so I am here today. Um, yeah, we we uh, started a foundation, Critical Role Foundation, and you guys were were giving a a, a sort of rundown and a summary of what we are. Um, we play Dungeons and Dragons on Twitch, and people watch it for some reason, which is and awesome. is it flat out? <laughs> is it flat out D and D? Like you guys are playing Dungeons and Dragons? You just but you call yeah. It we are straight up playing, playing some D and D and we, we've been playing for, let's see, before we started streaming, which was in 2015, um, we had played for a little over two years as a group before we started streaming it. And once we started streaming, we started doing some charity campaigns just here and there. And the response from the community was so amazing. So 
it, this is starting a foundation is something that we've wanted to do for a while now. And, um, you know, we're an official 501c3 nonprofit and we're, you know, we're a grant based organization and, um, we're just so excited. And our first campaign is with uh, First Nations Development Institute, um, which is one of the most highly rated Native American uh, organizations in the US. And they've been incredible. And we're helping fund their Native Youth and Culture Fund. And it's been awesome. It's, it's the response from the community has been just insane. I, I think our uh, audience and our community that we've built over these past five years, um, uh, we're constantly blown away. And I, I think when we did the Kickstarter, that was that was one level of like, holy shit, what? Yeah. We were just going to do like a, a pilot presentation. And then, you know, we had so many different plans. And then um, as we lovingly call them, the critters, um, they sort of the took critters. To, that's their name. The critters, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fan base is the critters. How adorable. Yeah. So they took it to a whole other level, and so now we're just um, we're just growing as a company and throwing some things at the at the wall, see what sticks. And um, but this actually, the foundation was something that we've wanted to do for a while, and so I am the the president of the foundation. What, um, <laughs> I'm not how, sure whose at, idea that was. <laughs> look at you, man. Have a good time. And then doing the Lord's work as well. What is the, hey, you know, how many people were involved from the beginning? Like how many people are in critical role? You're one of there, how many? Uh, there's eight of us. So, um, and is Matthew, it true that you guys, it's all yours? Like you collectively own it and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's ours. Um, and it's, it's this crazy thing in all of our lives that has kind of been, um, you know, and I'm sure you guys can feel this too. And you start sort of making your own stuff and putting your, 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 your own, I hate the word content. I don't want to say that. It's just you like can. putting your own stuff out there, you know, that you, that you care about and the just people picking up on it and responding to it is a, is a really cool thing. And how long so, you been gaming? How long you been D and D? So this, this the the first campaign that we did. Um, this was actually the first time I'd ever played D and D. So um, it was always something I was curious about. My brother always played, but it was kind of it was always just a bunch of dudes. So right. I always just thought maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I just I, I started later in life, and for me, I. I'm not the most social creature, but when I started playing D and D, I feel like it's like a really cool way to kind of, I don't know, I guess not to sound cheesy, but it was like a really cool way to connect and um, also, you know, role play and be a bunch of nerds hanging out. And um, it's been such a, a huge part of my life now. I mean, so much of my life is just based in, in role playing games and, I love it. <laughs> and Smash, you seem relatively well adjusted, but you were a child actress, right? You started as a kid, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I how did. did you, how, how come you made it through the gauntlet, like with your head intact? Like, well done, number one. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I mean, it's all lies. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, it's, you know, I, 
I know it's, it's super cliche, but my, my family, um, my family's great. You know, it was, it was a, always just a job. It was never acting was never like a precious thing in our household. Like I, it wasn't ever a, Oh, you're the, the, the child actor and we need, I don't know. I, I think it was just with my parents. It was like, you work hard, you show up on time, you do your work. And it's always been a, a fun part of my life. I mean, granted, I didn't have a super normal childhood because of it, but I think it was abnormal in the best ways, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so no I'm, doubt. yeah. The, uh, yeah. I remember, um, the, uh, I, when I was working at the convenience store, the one where we made the first film I ever did, I was an uh, ardent, avid, uh, Roseanne watcher. So I think my first exposure to you was as DJ's like pushy girlfriend. <laughs> so I always think of people like yes! people who were, who were like in the business before I was in the business are like super fucking famous to me. So like when I saw you pop up, I was like, that's that fucking girl from Roseanne, which oh is like the God, least, the least of your fucking credits, uh, to say the least. But my other thing, and we've talked about it on this show, you were hands down my favorite thing in the Avengers. And I'm sure nobody like Joss Whedon don't want to hear that, but you at the end, and I know like the part got truncated and shit, but you in the end credits where you were like, Captain America saved me was the most believable fucking thing and made me cry still does every time i see it because it it carried the emotion of what like a motherfucker like myself and even him why we care about even superhero even even a mark who hates everything um it was just so like like incredibly well delivered and i remember when i was watching that going like that looks like the girl who was on fucking roseanne when she was a kid like that's fucking dj's girlfriend that was so now that was and i remember i've seen like cut shit that was a much bigger part right like originally like you and him had scenes or some such shit we, I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was always just like a little, a little cameo. And I, I mean, I've known Joss for, God, I, I don't know how many years now. Since you were DJ's pushy girlfriend on Roseanne. Yeah, since on I was DJ's was pushy girlfriend. Oh my God, yeah. is that right? Does it go back to, that's right. <laughs> no, no. On... Yeah, I forgot he worked on that. No, I think I maybe first uh, worked with him in my early 20s. I mean, I've known him for over a decade, but um when he, I just remember when he got signed on to do that, he called because we're both, you know, I, I'm a big Marvel fan. And, um, he was like, Holy shit. I'm so excited. I'm directing it. Will you come and like do, I was like, I'll do anything. I'll like, you know, get killed in a background or whatever. So, um, he kind of just put, put, put it in there and, you know, some of it worked, some of it stayed and some of it didn't, which is totally fine. It was just the best, the, the craziest thing that didn't actually end up making it into the uh, into the movie, or I don't even think it's in deleted scenes, but we were shooting in Cleveland and they were blowing up, not blowing up, but just like making special effects of this whole city block. Mm -hmm. And we had to time it and practice it where I was running and then everything was just kind of blowing up as I was running through the whole block. You had to dash and, through explosions. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So it was, um, 
it was exciting. And of course, as, as you know, they made it safe as could be. But you know, when you work on a movie that's they they do things like that, it's just insane to see in person. And um, it was so cool. I mean, I don't even care if all of it's deleted. I'm like, hey man, that's the MCU. <laughs> it's the MCU. So, and honestly, the best part was not deleted. That fucking line that sums that movie up so incredibly well proving that like fucking it, it you could have one fucking line if it's delivered properly most memorable thing in the movie and that's saying a lot man Thank but you i so still much. i carry that and also you Thanks. worked with a dude that i love as well you worked with link later right on fast food Nation. yeah oh man i love him that yeah. was that was um that was a cool thing man i mean i i i that was one of the most collaborative and um, kind of, I've never quite worked on anything where I had that experience before. And I think it's, it's probably very specific to League Later, but, you know, we would rehearse before we even started shooting and then sort of, he's like, let's just scrap the script and you guys kind of just improv and we'll start writing and getting the scenes and taking a little bit of, of each of you and, um, I know people work that way, but I think it was the first time that I had worked on something like that. And I think at the age that I was, I was like, oh, this is, I, I love this job. I love acting, but this is a whole other level of being involved with, with creating with, um, you know, a director that is incredible. And it was really cool. That was a really cool, cool moment for, for me. The um, and that's lots of your your uh, re your resume has tons of voice work, man. Like Ben Ten and but you've been doing voice work for how long at this point? I think I started doing voice acting when I was twelve-ish. I think I was twelve, and then um, but I didn't start doing video games until a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I've been doing it since I was about 12. And just it's a, different, different kind of acting, right? Like you have to project a lot more because you're not allowed to use your face. They're not going to see your emotions on your face, your eyes and stuff. So right away, two of your greatest assets and weapons get pulled out of your quiver and suddenly you have to make the performance work in a different way. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, totally right. It's it's a, it, it, it's an adjustment. I mean, especially with motion capture, because you don't have, you know, you can rely on your wardrobe, you can rely on your shoes, because they make you walk different. And, and it's everything is stripped away. So it really forces you to use your imagination so much more. And it's, it is a challenge that I love. And it's, you know, with voice acting, it's so much more like theater or even motion capture, where it's, it's a, and you can play anybody, you know, I mean, it's, you can play any age, you can play uh, uh, anything and you don't have to, to, to do four hours of, of makeup to turn into a zombie or, uh, you know, you can just jump right in a suit or get in front of a uh, mic and you're ready to go. It's awesome. What's the, uh, your experience been? I mean, this, this year, crazy banana pants through and through. But Last yeah. of Us Part Two <laughs> came out this year, and I was just wondering what your experience was making those games, and then once those games hit the world, how has it been like on the, on the other side of it? Man, um, 
this is last of us is is one of my um one of my favorite things that i've ever worked on today and it's been about 10 years, I think, since I first auditioned for the first game. So I've been able to play this this girl for, for 10 years now. And it, it was the first time I've ever done motion capture. And the, the, the first game, um, so much of my work was with Troy Baker, who stars in the game. And he taught me so much. And it was kind of the first time being in that weird, like, suit where you feel like a stuffed sausage and it's 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 weird it's an adjustment because you feel you feel awkward and you're sticking to everything because it's velcro um but i love this story so much and i feel like at this point between me and the character of ellie it's kind of like a, a little bit of a blurred line at this point and um I just love it. I'm just really thankful that I've gotten to play this character for 10 years. <laughs> and video video game famous is like the real famous at this point because video games sell better than fucking movies and whatnot. <laughs> what is it like being video game famous? Like where people are like, oh my God, <laughs> your performance is everything. And like, I relate to Ellie and stuff like that. What is it? It's, it's got to yeah. be separate. It's it's weird. It is a it is a whole different it's a whole different thing. Um, but I I think the the special thing about this particular game and specifically Ellie, I think it's honestly it's all of the 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 women that reach out who are like, man, I I love to see this representation and seeing. Um, a female in a video game that feels normal and um, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I think that, 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 that kind of is what makes it so, so special is the response of, of, I don't do cons a lot, but when I do and I get to sort of have that face time with people and them talking about what the game means to them and the character and, um, her being gay and um, how that's so important for them to see and how it's affected their lives. And it's, um, it's important. We know representation is important. So that's kind of the, the biggest deal about it to me. Um, What's the yeah. crossover between the two audiences, the critical role folks and the last of us? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's, there are, yeah, there's crossover there. And another member of Critical Role also starred in the second Last of Us, Laura Bailey. And she's an unbelievable actress. And uh, so we both got to be in the game together. And yeah, there's some crossover there. I mean, Last of Us is so dark. And Critical Role is, is more, uh, a little more light. I mean, there's moments of, 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 of darkness that we delve into, but for the most part, um, yeah, there's crossover. There's crossover for sure. Between the audiences? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Fucking I. Do you, do you miss, <laughs> I mean, you say you don't go to a lot of conventions, but do you, like, do you miss the, the feeling of launching a thing as big as Last of Us into the world? There would have been a tour. There would have been travel. There would have been conventions. There would have been openings. There would have been all that stuff. Is that a thing that you were missing or is that a thing that you were never that excited about to begin with? 
Um, yeah, I mean, traveling, I love traveling. Um, but I get really, uh, I get really nervous with interviews. You know, it's not something that I'm, I'm incredibly comfortable with. Um, probably shouldn't be admitting that on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you do <laughs> like know this is an interview, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but no, but I mean, I, I think it's, it's the, the, what am I trying to say? The promotion aspect um, is something that always is a little stressful, but um, I love to travel. Mm. But I think my favorite thing is just whenever the project that I was working on is just out in the world and then just people being able to see it. You don't need to talk to me about it. Like, <laughs> just go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, when it comes to the foundation, how can the folks at home help out? Yes. So we have a website, uh, you know, because we're in today's age. It's uh, criticalrolefoundation.org. And we are now just going to be throughout the year just uh, having different campaigns. Um, you can donate monthly. Uh, and hopefully I'm not forgetting any information. <laughs> Will there be different charities for each campaign? You know, what, yes. what changed? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, so we'll be focusing on a different charity every every campaign and different causes and uh, yeah, be covering lots of things. Smash, you do a lot, man. You're a real Renaissance cat. Is there anything you haven't done yet that you're looking forward to doing? What's left? Thirty oh, years man. of working. What what do you got left to do? What's left on the bucket list? <sighs> there's there's a lot. I mean, I th I think some of it is we're we're developing our own projects now. And that's, uh, I'm excited to do a little bit more work that's behind the camera. Um, and that's been super, super fun. And right now, I, my fiance and I, we just moved and we're getting ready to build a PC in our game room, getting that all set up. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's my life and, and right now. In 2020 in quarantine. Righteous, man. Well, we, we uh, are fans, obviously, for two different things. He's played the game a lot. A lot. Hey, awesome. A hey, lot. and congrats on 300 episodes. Woo, 301 today. Awesome. You're on the historic 301st episode. Thank you. Where it all goes here. down in flames. Yeah, this is the one we're called. <laughs> <part. laughs> yes, absolutely. Right, where can, so where can they go? Where can we send them for the Critical Role okay, Foundation? Okay, criticalrolefoundation.org. Uh, and I think our Twitter, I should know these things. Twitter is critical role FDN, um, at critical role FDN on Twitter. Look at that. Man. A bunch of friends got together, have a good time, play some games and it literally turned into a big corner of their lives. Indeed. Now they're turning it into a charity. That's tremendous. Changing man. the world in tiny Thanks, ways. Thanks, man. You're doing a great work yeah. out there, Smash. Thank you. Excellent Thank talking you. to you, man. Long time <laughs> fan, as you could tell. Thank you. Yay. All right. Have a good and one. You did great. Don't sweat it, man. The interview was you did great. <laughs> good at this. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, see you later. All right. Bye. Bye. That rocks, man. I'm telling you, that fucking that is my favorite moment in the Avengers. She's like, Captain America saved me. Like the way the emphasis, pitch perfect, man. Closes that movie so well. I know a lot of people are like, what? You don't like it when fucking 
Hulk slams Logie's. Uh, yes, of course I like that. But that fucking moment resonates for me, man. Her delivery. Uh, very cool. Awesome. Doing the Lord's work there. All right. We got news, ladies and gentlemen. We got news and we got some trailers to look at. And before we dig into the news, we got a show, man. We got a whole fucking show. We got some shit to do. Let's we dive do. into it, man. Uh, so over the, the weekend, New York Comic Con had their virtual convention. As... I did a couple panels. I did one uh, for the Sandman. Mm-hmm. And then I did one for Slugfest, the Quibi show. And they aired the first episode at the end of the panel. So oh, remember nice. I kept talking about Slugfest, the Quibi show. They announced that I'm the official narrator for it. I think I announced that here, but they officially announced it. Um, they put up the very first episode. It's like, you know, eight minutes long, mm-hmm. but it was at the talent of our panel. And it is phenomenal. Um, but it was weird because I watched them all before, but without me as narrator. <laughs> so I watched this one with me as narrator. And I just like, remember, remember that show, That's Hollywood? Mm-hmm. Where Tom Bosley, Mr. Cunningham, was the voice, the narrator. <laughs> and he'd be like, Star Wars came out in 1970. You know, he was, I've grown up to become Tom Bosley. Aww. I'm the Tom Bosley of this bitch. Like, I sound like that's Hollywood, man. It's pretty <laughs> fucking dope. So we did that panel. That was pretty cool. I expect a t-shirt that says, I'm the Tom Bosley of this bitch. You know who's going to make it? Who is Rico.com? <laughs> That's right. I'm Bosley, bitch. Who, who is Rico.com? <laughs> we need a, I'm the Tom Bosley, this bitch. Um, uh, all right. So wait, what is the. So, so they dropped the the teaser trailer for Invincible. Invincible was the, the Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman comic book. That indeed. That he published. Cartoon. The They're doing an animated version of it for Amazon. And I think Seth, Seth and Evan are doing a live action, right? Um, I or think are they so. involved in the cartoon? I think that, that, that there's a. As is always the case, there's nine different versions of a thing that exists. There's yeah. a live action version. There was one time that Tom Cruise was going to play his dad. Um, okay. Um, but I don't know what happened to that. Back when it was a Paramount, it's not a Paramount anymore. But at any rate, there's going to be a cartoon on Amazon uh, called Invincible. And so they just dropped the teaser at New York Comic Con. And so we should take a look at it. Are we allowed to watch it without getting yelled at? Are they going to throw us off the YouTube? I, Did you? All right. All right, here we go, man. If we disappear, it's because the people at Amazon are it's like, Kirkman, destroy them. Kirkman was like, nah, guys, you don't get to do that. I think Kirkman might let us go, but Jeff Bezos. <laughs> he, did you yeah. see those giant arms he had on this week? Yeah, old Lex Luthor himself. Yes. Which is like, <laughs> no. Uh, let's see what, uh, what it looks like. Space, the final frontier. No, Earth. ER. High school bullies. good animation yeah no they uh they spared no expense i like this bit where they're playing catch but throwing it around the world oh that's fantastic <laughs> so wait the idea is his dad is super and he is super yeah like his his dad is ultimately an alien from another planet i think spoilers and uh and he is just kind of growing up and growing into his powers but you know the way you pal around with your dad when you can both fly and uh, are super strong it's different, I imagine. Uh, look at that, man. The creator of The Walking Dead. You know they're going to lean into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Kirkman. Good for him, man. I hope he gets so many fucking TV shows. Good dude. Yeah, it feels like there's there's a little there's a little smack of the boys in here, I think. In, in just, this? In just the, the, the level to which they're willing to chase the ultraviolence. Why? So are they... It's a grown-up cartoon. It's a grown-up cartoon. So I you mean, can see some blood. If we're, if, we're, if we're seeing dudes smash heads, 
Yeah. Um, that looks good. I'm into it. When's this start? Uh, 2021. There's no uh, official date yet. Fuck. Another reason to stay alive. Yes. Yes. Just hang in there, man. <laughs> Invincible's waiting for us. All right. What else we watched? Uh, another trailer that dropped at New York Comic Con was the uh, CBS All Access adaptation of The Stand. I have not seen it yet. You haven't seen no, it? No, this is me watching it for the first time. Is this one, can we turn the volume up or they'll, you, you don't have to. You could say no. I could watch it at home. I'll just watch it. Well, yeah, we don't want to get thrown off, so we're going to keep the volume yeah. low and talk all through it. But Again, this is uh, Josh Boone. YouTube, yes. I mean, YouTube, guys, what the fuck? I mean... Everyone else could do shit. Yeah. Not us. Everyone, well, they could, they, we could We could actually copy and paste it. We could duplicate the trailer and put the Fat Man logo on it, and that would be fine. Yeah. But apparently, talking about it... Then why doesn't this work? There's a Fat Man logo on the screen right there. You would think it would be fine, but no, they just I don't like that. It. If we bitch about this anymore, they're going to be like, you spent five minutes bitching... <laughs> Which we is could've... five minutes more than that DoorDash ad. <laughs> and we didn't even get to see the trailer. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right, roll this trailer, man. This is from uh, Josh Boone, the kid who did, uh, what was the name of that movie? The Fault in Our Stars. And he also just did the X-Men movie. New Mutants. New Mutants. Um, Mother Abigail being played by? The Whoopi Goldberg. Wow. Who's playing Randall Flagg? Um, one of them Skarsgård boys. I the think. one from uh, True Blood. Yeah. Excellent casting. The devil and should be fucking attractive. And... James Marsden is Stu Redman. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. M-O-O-N. That spells Stu Redman. <laughs> is that, that's part of it, right? <laughs> yes. Um, how does it look? I mean, naturally, we're watching on a tiny screen. How does it look uh, for, did you read The Stand? I read The Stand. So, how do you feel? Um, I think it looks good. I think it looks it looks better than the CBS than the, than mini the old series. miniseries they did. Um, I mean, I I have always that been... had Ruby D right. She yeah, was, was Mother, Mother Abigail, Abigail. and uh, and Gary Sinise was too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I will always have a love for the first half of the book over the second half. Um, because which I, half has the uh, they crawl through the Lincoln Tunnel full of dead people? Oh. Like it's it's the suddenly here's the apocalypse and what you have to do to survive it. It's crazy that that is still an image that hangs in my head when we've seen far worse imagery in real life and in our movies mm-hmm. since he came up with that concept. But if you grew up on the East Coast and you drove through the Lincoln Tunnels on a regular basis, it was incredibly evocative. Yeah. To read that passage and be like, holy shit, man. Like, those tunnels are huge. There he is. Mm. Randall Flagg. That's where I pulled the name Randall from for Clerks. Yeah. Randall's name Randall because of Randall Flagg. But only one L in my version because <laughs> I didn't want to get sued by by the king. Yeah. There, there's a passage in the book when the disease is spreading. Disease. Um, Captain Trips. Disease. Spreading the disease. Yeah. And uh, and there's just, and it's the simplest little, like Stephen King would write these like one page chapters. Like it was a super quick read, but like one one page chapter was some dude is on the subway standing there and a guy on the other end of the subway coughs. And that's it. And that's the transmission of this disease is just that simple. Perhaps this is a miniseries a little too close to home. It is, uh, yeah. How's appropriate. it going to play in the era of COVID, man? I think they're counting on it. Captain Trips. Um, they had that going on. I just read an article about what was that show that we were talking about? Amazon redid Utopia. Utopia. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, there's a pandemic in that, and they're saying that the some piece I read, some think piece, was like, "I want to escape. We already <laughs> live in a pandemic, so we'll see, man." But the stand. 
It's got a great cast. Looks fantastic. I'm fucking in, man. Yeah. Randall flagging him. What's his name? Not um, it's not Stalin. It's not Bill. Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, it's Tarzan himself. Tarzan, man, that's fucking Eric the the vampire. Remember? Mm-hmm. There ain't a man alive wouldn't have had sex with Eric the vampire on True Blood. <laughs> I don't care who you are, man. He was attractive as fuck. God, he was so good. He'll be a great Randall Flag. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the second trailer. What else we got? Well, we got one more. And this is a little touchy because it feels as if somebody owes us money. Not because it's an idea that they had ripped off that we had pitched randomly on a podcast somewhere. Okay. It's the name. The name of this movie is Fat Man. Oh, let me get a mouthful right, so sorry. I can spit. Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> the name of this film is Fat Man. What? Yes. I'm not involved. You well, are at least it probably in good hands. Who plays the fat man? Question is, is somebody like John Goodman, a wonderful actor whose work I've long enjoyed, plus I've worked with him? Uh, Who the, plays the fat man? What American treasure, Mark, is playing the fat man in question? I'm, let me just relax so I can get prepared to hear what a great answer this will be. Who is the fat man? Uh, to be fair, said fat man is actually an American. He was born in upstate New York before okay. emigrating to Australia, okay. spending most of his youth. Uh, before coming back here and making pictures like, you know, Gallipoli and The Year of Living Dangerously and Billy the Weapons and your Mad Maxes and your Bravehearts. Mel Gibson. Oh, no! Is playing the fat man in question. He don't like people! Some people... He, he don't like some people more than others. <laughs> um, yeah, so wait, this is the movie where he plays Santa? He does play Santa. Doesn't this feel like about 20 years too late? And not because, like, the concept, but, mm. like, him doing it? Yeah, well, let's 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 roll. Let's roll that beautiful bean footage. And we, see we, we're not going to be able to listen to this one either? I don't think so. Something tells me I'm not going to miss much. Um, <laughs> Saban, Saban! Saban! They put out Jane Silent Bob reboot. Um, like, and it's not like it's a bad idea. Like, the right. idea at its core is like, oh, yeah, no, somebody wants to... Somebody takes out a hit on Santa Claus. Some like super fucking rich kid who doesn't get the toys he wants in his stocking. It's like that's it. And that guy and hires a hitman to go get him. Feels like it's a light comedy. Yeah. You know, Walton Goggins plays the hitman who gets sent there. It's like, oh fuck, Walton Goggins. I like him. He's funny. But it doesn't feel like Mel Gibson got the memo that this is kind of like a light comedy because he's playing it like a like a nom vet who's been like in the wild for too long and is like training to get back into it and like I, maybe he used this film as therapy <laughs> yeah it's like i used to be santa i used to be just like i'm just fucking mad um he did a comedy fairly recently right daddy's home or daddy's home part two part two yeah a film by ian nelms and his, who you know who are they i don't know okay but brothers i uh, hope so relatives of or, or they could be married good point um, or sisters. I didn't see the first names. One of them's Ian. Um, but yeah, so he's playing sort of grizzled old Santa Claus. Um, your uh, your thoughts on uh, Mel Gibson working? Um, I my my feelings on such things are always tied to any sense of contrition. You know, it's like. Mike Tyson did awful things. He may or may not have raped people. Understandably. Also went to prison. 
Like everyone in the audience was like, wasn't expecting to hear the R word on the show didn't, today. Didn't, didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, like, you might have wanted to give us a heads up. In a yes, trigger warning. I'm sorry. Um, but in terms of, I did a bad thing, paid the price. The price that society has decided that I should pay, mm-hmm. and I'm allowed to sort of re-enter the world after having done that. Right. And it does not feel to me that like Mel Gibson has adequately expressed any remorse for any of the things that he has said or done. Look um, at that. Look at that. Oh, fucking fat man. Why didn't I fucking trademark and copyright that shit? I don't know. It's probably man. because the government would have been like, because you it's a you don't own fat man. No one owns <laughs> fat man. But that, Paris Hilton trademarked that's hot. She so didn't. you should be able didn't to trademark fat to, man. she try to, but she couldn't? Oh, though? did she not succeed? I remember she wanted to, but they were like, grow up. So I'm sure if I would have went in and been like, I own Fat Man, they'd be like, no, you know, you guys share it with yeah. Mel Gibson, America's least favorite celebrity. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I and the shame of it is, is that I've always liked Mel Gibson as an actor. And well, I think to we all did. And to, and to watch him sort of mellow into, you know, like he's still a handsome man. He's still an excellent actor. There's a whole bevy of roles that he should be like. He should be fucking old Bruce Wayne of Dark Knight Returns. Like he Oof. should, he should 100% be that old Batman. Maybe not should, could have, could have. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I just I I am still a little hands off of Mel Gibson. Um. So will I watch that when it inev- inevitably makes it to Netflix? Maybe. What was not... the last Mel Gibson movie you watched? Um. Like, I didn't in. watch Daddy's Home, did you? I, I did see Daddy's Home part did two. Did you really? I did, because my son liked the first one. Oh, all right. That's and right. And so you it was like kids. fucking Christmas, whatever. I saw Hacksaw Ridge, the, the yeah, was World a few War II thing that he directed, and that sort of brought him back into the Hollywood circles For again. For a minute, where people were like, hey, maybe he's redeemed. And then people were like, oh, no. Hey, you know. Um, and it's a good movie, because he's a good filmmaker. Yeah. Like, he, he's he's actually gifted at this. So it's, I am I'm mixed and torn, but still a little hands-off for me and coming to theaters streaming theaters streaming <laughs> at some thinking, point, i forgot yeah. i had a brain fart and yeah, forgot i mean mel gibson is no chris nolan you guys yeah. it's like you got to see it in the theater man i'm sure chris nolan's like he is no me don't don't make yeah, those Nolan's like please don't put my name next to mel gibson <laughs> what did you do um, um wow well there it is there's the christmas movie of the year we're all looking forward to indeed feel good imagine if that had come out in the 90s fucking huge Oh, yeah. 200 million. He would have been on every talk show. Mm-hmm. Fucking people would have been like, we love you, Mel. Yeah. So when you're gathering around the Zoom for Christmas and with your family, you can share your screen and all watch Fat Man together. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Done with trailers? Done with trailers, man. Should we do some news? You know, um, the stand, best, uh, shall we rank them? Yeah. Stand is the most relevant to my interests, followed mm-hmm. closely by Invincible. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Way down the list is, yeah. I mean, badass Santa Claus is an idea that I can get behind. Yeah. But uh, there's hey, once you steal my name, it's hard. My lawyer is going to be calling. Come on, Mel. I also believe that I own the term lethal weapon. No. <laughs> um, all right. What news we got, Mark? What Mark news? was yeah. a newsman before he became a creative. Well, he was always a creative, but he did news. But now he's creative and he barely does news until he does this. Take off your glasses and show him your news face. Look at that shit. That's how you know he's serious. Well, I wear the glasses just to take them off. Yeah, Clark Kent's that shit. He's gone now. 
old Superman's about to deliver the news. Did you read the Superman story from yesterday? He was Superman was trending on Twitter. Yes. And I was so delighted because I was like, <laughs> yeah, America's hero. Who don't love Superman? Then I read why it was, was like, trending. Oh, and I was like, shit. Christmas time is here. <laughs> So bummed. It, it was also like John Stewart was trending, and people were like, "What happened to John Stewart?" <laughs> but instead, it had something to do with the news. Are we leading with that? We are now. Here we go, man. Because the news we, we stumbled on a segue. Yes, the hell of a segue. It. We're going to use it. We are. Um, they're making in the news. In the that news. show on CBS when we were kids, you watched Saturday morning cartoons. They'd be like little globe, and the big guy like in the news pants factories and they would do like a five minute deep dive for kids on pants or on whatever <laughs> politics um sometimes pants pants corduroys why but i remember being a kid and being like why can't they play more cartoons why the fuck am i watching these why don't they do like schoolhouse rock on abc was a little cartoon and a jingle and stuff but this was literally they stopped to do a news piece on Saturday morning for children. It's like, motherfucker, I cleaned my room for this. Yes. I, I did actual labor in my house to be able to earn cartoons, and I only get this many. We get three hours a week of cartoons. You're going to spend five minutes talking about pants? <laughs> Fuck you, CBS. <laughs> they were the old person network even then. Even I, then. I don't even like pants. That being said, <laughs> recently I went deep diving on YouTube for In the News. <laughs> Oh, nostalgia. Yeah, you really did. As a kid, I was like, fuck this. And as an adult, I was like, more in the news, please. It reminds me of a happier time. Oh. Um, uh, all right, but anyway. Green Lantern. Uh, Green Lantern series that had been announced previously uh, at HBO Max is now well, found... That's it's a misleading piece of artwork we've put up because front and center in that piece of artwork looks like Hal Jordan, doesn't it? It does. Hal Jordan going to be in this Green Lantern thing? He is not. What the? How do you do a Green Lantern without Hal Jordan? Well, at least they've got, uh, of course, John Stewart. He'll be in it, won't he? No. What? How do you do a Green Lantern without Hal Jordan or John Stewart? Well, you know, there's mm. always Kyle Rayner. He'll be in it, won't he? Mm. What? The way the three most well-known Green Lanterns are not going to be in it. So what? It's the Kilowog show. <laughs> it is a uh, Guy Gardner. Jessica oh, everybody's favorite Green Lantern, Indeed. Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, oh, Simon Baz, they got Jessica Cruz, and Alan Scott, Earth's first Green Lantern, who, true to the comics, is gay. They've made him recently, yeah, in the last like 10 years, 20 years or something like Indeed. that. But Alan Scott was not truly, he was the Green Lantern, but he was not a member of the Lantern Corps. No, there was no Lantern Corps. There was no Lantern Corps. So how are they going to, you know what? We'll find out. Who's in charge of this? Uh, this here show will be overseen by, by somebody, somebody on the show, but I have experience with the color green. I'll tell you that much. Seth Graham Smith. He ain't got any. No, but Mark Guggenheim. Now, there's a guy that knows thing about green. Man. He was the co-creator of Arrow and one of the writers of the 2011 Green Lantern movie. Oh, shit. Was he really? Yeah. I was I was just talking about Arrow. Oh, that's right. His name was on, too. And Berlanti. And Berlanti. Those so guys. this is, of course, a Berlanti joint. It is very much so. Now, the difference between this Berlanti joint and most Berlanti joints, we should point out, this is not a CW show. It's the HBO Max jam. It's HBO Max. You're getting a fucking expensive fuck off set in space Green Lantern series, man. And they're holding on to those three for the movies, I think, or something like that. Yeah, which, you know, like. I think it's smart. I think, honestly, think about it. Remember when they were like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? And we were like, what are you, fucking dumb or something? Like, you got so many cool characters. You're going to do a Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Guardians of the Galaxy turns into one of the greatest things ever. 
Oh, oh yeah. By forcing them to not use Hal and John and Kyle Rayner, it gives them a chance to build the universe so that when you finally do bring those guys in, that's your stage, you know, two of your rocket, maybe your stage three. No? Um, <laughs> Here I, comes, and now, <laughs> with an alternative point of view <laughs> from the sunny side of the street, Mr. Mark Bernardi. <laughs> uh, I, I, DC's kind of ongoing, and Warner Brothers, it's not just DC, but the DC yeah. Warner Brothers suite keeps making these decisions um, to wit. You launch a Flash TV show. Yes. Right? It's on for... Damn good one. A very Great good one. Flash TV for show. season one, one of the best years of television I've ever seen in my life. You spend, you know, $100 million launching this show. Promotion, yep. advertising, all of it. Not to mention the budget for making the show. Yep. You introduce... Sets. Everything. You introduce the world to this Barry Allen. Yeah. Grant Gustin Barry Allen. Yes. You know, I and it's on for... Going. He's on for years and years and years. The, you know, a worldwide audience understands this is the flash. Yep. And so you're going to make movies now. And you're like, oh, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to get a different guy that we now have to reintroduce. Who's that guy going to be? You know, Ezra Miller. Who's that? A guy who's like interesting and quirky and okay. He also has dark hair. Also, has, also a white guy with dark hair. And uh, and like the decision to not capitalize so silly on years of like just brand penetration is just a well the movies are different from the TV shows that's the that's the thing they always come down to well the TV shows are and it's like you just spent as the man said millions of dollars marketing and brand awareness to create like hey here's your Flash watch him he's on every week Flash 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 so the moment they go to movie theaters, smart play would be like, hey, remember the Flash? Who? This is why we did all of this. Yeah, we built them here so we can run them here. But instead, they're like, and now we will cast someone completely brand new. It doesn't right. make sense. It doesn't make sense. And so the Green Lantern that I feel, um, and, and I don't think it's just me feeling this, but the numbers would prove is the most familiar to, a, to an American audience. Is John Stewart. Hands down. And we know why that is. Because of the Justice League animated shows. For 10 years, kids, and like, look, you got to understand, we know Hal Jordan because, you know, we were nerdy kids, but like, you didn't see him that much on Super Friends. Green Lantern wasn't a huge character on Super Friends. They had him. They had mm -hmm. him in Sinestro and Challenge of the Super Friends. But like, they didn't spend a lot of time putting that character like way out there into the world and stuff like that. So... It's not like we grew up like fucking how it's Hal Jordan or nothing because our entire childhood was all about Hal Jordan. But there is a generation of kids, maybe even two, for whom the Green Lantern has only been John Stewart and Hal Jordan. And when they made that Ryan Reynolds movie was like, you know, who was it? Um, Neil Adams was on the podcast, was on this very podcast or iteration of this fat man on Batman. And he said, he was like, all those kids were familiar with Jon Stewart. They should have fucking led with Jon Stewart. Yeah. But they didn't want to for, for reasons. For reasons. You know, and so, so now those same kids are still now adults who are like, you're making a Green Lantern show? Bet. Who's in it? All these Green Lanterns. But the one that I want to see most, mm. because you're saving him for a movie that I may or may not ever get. Yeah. You know, it's like we're, we're keeping our powder dry. When fuck it, just do it. 
Shit could change. Well, could you know change. what? Here's the thing. They've been talking about, remember like a year ago, two years ago, this fucking buddy cop movie mm -hmm. with Hal Jordan, Jordan and Hal John Stewart, like one train and the other or something like that. Um, I, you know, bird in a hand worth two in the bush. And the bird in the hand here is like, you got a Green Lantern show. What are you holding that? Give it. But do all the lanterns. Like, if you want to do that, buddy. Oh, that's what I should call it. All the lanterns. <laughs> Although I will never forget. I, I remember taking my son, same son, who wanted to see Daddy's Home too, to see the 2011 uh, Green Lantern movie. In a movie theater. In a movie theater, back when you could do that. And, you know, we sit there and we're watching it. Like, okay, all right, cool. And then they, he gets the ring on Earth. And he's like, oh, cool. He's a Green Lantern on Earth. This is great. And then he goes into space. And and my son's like, so, so there's like a lot of Green Lanterns? It's like, yeah, yeah, there's like a bunch, there's a whole core of Green Lanterns. It's like, and this guy's the worst one. <laughs> like, well, yeah. It's like, so then why is the movie about the worst one? Yeah. I'm like, well, I kind of have no argument for you there, buddy. Well, because the ring found him when we were <laughs> kids and hey, just watch it. Yeah. But like that's that that for me has always been like the issue of the Green Lantern Corps is that ultimately it becomes a space cop show. Mm. And I don't necessarily want a space cop show, least of all right now. Um, <laughs> so like, I don't know, maybe, you know, up there in space, it's different. It's different because there's no black people. <laughs> well, not on, <laughs> not on, not on the show. <laughs> We got Kilowog. tells me that John Stewart will. I, I, we have every color represented here except brown. It feels like <laughs> sooner or later they're going to be like, you know, we tried to do this without John Stewart, but we should really be doing this with John Stewart. And that's uh, that's more John Stewart that's been said since he was the host of The Daily Show. Yeah, which is why he was trending. People were like, John Stewart's dead. Is he fine? We need him. Yeah, all right, we're, we're checking on the white John Stewart. What about the black John Stewart? I'm uh, number one. I'm down with both John Stewart's. <laughs> a okay, my boy. Number record. two, I'm totally watching the fuck out of this show. It is a you know, it's a choice to go without the most famous Green Lanterns, but I also feel that that's an opportunity. It's 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 a problem tunity, a problem tunity. Yeah. Uh, but there's also now that was the big news out of the DC announcements. Mm -hmm. But there was also two other shows they referenced in that article. Did you see that? Ooh, do tell. One is a show that Elizabeth Banks is in charge of mm -hmm. called DC Superhero High. Ooh. Which is, right. that sounds awfully like fucking shit we've talked about on this show. Mm -hmm. um, where all of our favorite characters are high school kids. Mm -hmm. So not very far removed from the DC Superhero Girls show. Uh, and then the other show, but that's not a Berlanti show. Right. The other Berlanti show is Strange Adventures. Did mm. you see that? No, I, I missed the Strange Adventures. They enough. said that it's a show that's um, anthology or something, but they were like, it exists in the DC universe, um, and it's one-offs. So, like, you could see fucking, like, a, you know, I, like, I, I can't imagine. Well, who knows? A Batman episode. Mm -hmm. Fucking Wonder Woman episode, but it sounds like they're doing deep bench DC Universe. But that was the thing that I saw in the article. I was like, what? Are you fucking serious? Like, that's essentially like DC Black Mirror. Like, to be able to do an anthology show where you're like, we're going to take these fucking characters that probably won't get their own movies or whatever. 
That sounds fucking dope. I wanted to read more about that, but there's no more information about it. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, they had announced it a while back that they were making a strange, but there's been no. Did they announce I that? Think, I think like that information isn't necessarily new, right? And there's been no update on update on it. It's um, just, I mean, this HBO Max, man, take all my money because they're making the shows that I want to watch. That Raised by Wolves was one of the best fucking things I ever watched in my life. <laughs> so damn good. And now. All I see is they're like, we're doing a Batman show. We're doing a Suicide Squad show. We're doing this mm -hmm. show. We're doing Strange Adventures. We're doing Green Lantern. It feels like, and, and a lot of them have to do with Berlanti. It feels like, you know, for years, the CW seemed like the gold standard. But now it seems like that was training for him to go to HBO Max and make real grown-up versions of this shit. I mean, I... I, I have an inherent bias against Green Lantern just because Cosmic DC was never my jam. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you honestly. Like he's my he's not really my guy. Right, but not um, like I'm against him, but I'm like, eh. right. But I will watch this show. I liked when he went kidding. crazy and fucking like killed the <laughs> killed all the lanterns and stole their rings. The parallax storyline, that was when Hal Jordan like I was like, ooh, this is interesting. This is dark. Yeah, this is metal. Um, this is metal. That's what I said. <laughs> But, you know, like, I, I am very, very curious about it. I have faith in Mark Guggenheim. He was my boss on Carnival Row, and he's a very talented showrunner. Um, so, yeah, like, will, will it be a show that you can watch? I 100% believe that. Is it a show that I will watch? I'll totally give it a go. Yeah. But just some of that internal thinking is like, really? Like, and, and I get also that the movie department and the TV department are not necessarily in lockstep with each other the way they should be. Right now they're not, but over at Disney they now are. You know, like, think about it. I mean, over at Marvel, like, for, yeah. for a while, Marvel had a separate TV division, a separate movie division. And now, all one fucking thing. Yeah. So, it sounds like, you know, with uh, Matt Reeves' Batman Gotham Central kind of show, and with James Gunn's uh, Peacemaker, Peacemaker show, yeah. show, those, they are moving in the direction of direct TV tie-ins. Yeah, and like it Warner makes Brothers, sense. the way Warner, you explained it, makes Warner has sense. always been, and they would tap this as a as an asset, a filmmaker driven company. Yeah, they're always saying that. Like, like we're filmmaker know, friendly, totally. So like, if you if you got a vision for a thing, come in and we'll do it. Like they're not universe builders as much as they are just enablers of of artists to go make their thing. Yeah, and so the yeah, like Matt Reeves wants to make a Batman show, great, awesome, we'll do that. Gunn wants to make a piece, of, yeah, totally, we'll do that. And if it plays in the cinematic universe, great. But it feels as if maybe there could be one more tendril of connection between the two. So they don't, it doesn't feel as if we're saving the thing people want for a movie because that's where we put the important things as opposed to treating them like a holistic union of one thing that exists in both places. Which is what I think they're trying to do over at Marvel, right? Like, that's yeah. what I mean, there's a Nick Fury TV show, that's you know, starring crazy. Samuel Jackson. Like, that's, that's how you make those things work. We're, like, we're not saving them for movies, we're not saving them for TV. They're the same thing in our eyes. Or they become crucial elements to tell the next story, as we're seeing with WandaVision. Mm -hmm. Looks like you're going to need to watch WandaVision in order to really enjoy Doctor Strange. Yeah. It's, it's becoming like you have to watch all of it. Good. Because they're all part of the big story we're telling. I'm in. And so, yeah, just, just that sense of don't save anything for a movie that may never come. Like, we're never getting a cyborg movie. Ever. Mm. Like, sorry, Ray, but I don't <laughs> think that's in the cards, pal. That one went right out, <laughs> <laughs> right down the barrel. Like, sorry, Ray. Sorry, Ray, but you know, whatever happens, the result is not going to be that. So, like, maybe we'll get a Green Lantern movie. Maybe we won't. Maybe the show is the best version of this story. 
And so if I'm those cats, if I'm and look, I, I Seth Graham Green, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote that ba- Lego Batman movie, and that movie is wonderful. Yeah. Um, he's done and he did with what Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. He's a good dude. And um, if I'm him and I'm Guggenheim, I like I am I am writing the fucking shit out of this in a way that nothing has ever been written before. I am challenging myself to do the best work of my career because here is your fucking chance to like solidify Green Lantern for a bunch of people who don't know about it. This is an amazing fucking concept. The ring, the emerald ring is just fucking spellbinding. It represents the imagination. Can be fucking anything. Doesn't always have to be a big catcher's mitt or a fucking racing car. Can literally be anything. You need imaginations willing to run with that. You know what I'm saying? So I hope those cats are just like, look, we're stymied by not having the classic fucking characters that you would think of when you think of Green Lantern. We're stymied because like that Green Lantern movie, even Ryan Reynolds makes fun of it. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna read we're gonna Game of Thrones this shit. So much so that like your mom is gonna be talking about the Lantern Corps. Like this is a real opportunity. I hope they crush it. Yeah. You know, and and also to that point, it's like, I don't want to. I I don't want to be involved. Like that seems <laughs> like an unenviable task. I don't have enough imagination to tell a Green Lantern story. I mean, but also like, couldn't. Nobody's them. asking me, by the way. I was just throwing yeah. that out there. I'm but just like, saying if, they're better than me. If you're not going to do the ones people want, do somebody entirely brand new. Like, make it a fucking kid. You know, Good like. Point. If it's all about imagination, like who's got like it's Harold in the Purple Crown meets a fucking giant ring. Stop telling people your good <laughs> ideas. You should go in and fucking pitch that. That's what you should, you fucking know, Guggenheim. I know. Tell him that, man. Be like, how about like let me do the Kamala Khan of fucking Green yeah. Lanterns, like the little kid, little girl, little boy. That's a good idea. You're right. Who has more imagination than kids? That's who Sinestro should be as an evil child. Don't give away the good ideas. Now I'm doing it too. <laughs> Welcome. Um, how what, how amazing though. We're living in a world where this shit's going to happen. <laughs> amazing. Um, it, it's, it'd be like if you went back in time and, and told Steve Ditko, hey man, one day your two most famous creations are going to be in a movie together. Look at this motherfucker here cheating off the test. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him that glorious story. Oh, Doctor Strange is going to circle thingy his way into Spider-Man 3. Um, Yeah, fucking Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch! Cumberbatch. He's joining uh, Spider-Man 3. Look, I was always on board for fucking Spider-Man 3. They are making the perfect film. The way how over at Warner Brothers, every week they're like, Oh, you know who else is in Flash? Jesus. <laughs> like how they just keep building this amazing fucking Flash movie. James Caviezel is now in Flash. <laughs> yeah. No, the real thing. Actual Jesus? We got actual Jesus for this picture. They, uh, they're they doing the same thing over at Marvel and Disney and Sony with the Spider-Man movie because they just keep making it better. Any announcement is always like, what? That's... That's part of it? It's now like the battle of the multiverses. Yeah. Like Flash is over here, like, we'll give you every Batman. And now Marvel's like, oh, by the way, this is the this is the Cola Wars all over, and we're all benefiting. (laughs) Who's gonna be the crystal Pepsi out of this bitch? Who gives a fuck? We're all getting new sodas. (laughs) That I can't, I cannot I'm telling you, like, it feels like that. It feels like, oh, they're not gonna out multiverse us. 
And they're like, well, oh, we got a multiverse. Oh, yeah. I fucking love it. And they're pushing each other, and it's going to make something beautiful on both sides. I'm calling it right the fuck now, and this ain't even a hot take. There's no way either of those movies suck or fail. There's <laughs> so much imagination going on, so much, like, never mind what's riding on and shit. There's a lot riding on The Flash. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's so much imagination being poured into this that only, we're only hearing about the obvious shit. Like, hey, how about Michael Keaton coming back as Batman? That's imaginative. Like, how about fucking, you know, this? Now they're talking about, like, I, I saw a report maybe even Christian Bale comes back. Mm. Like, that's imaginative. And some people out there are like, no, it's not. That's doing the past. That's my kind of imagination. Yeah. Like, and I, and I bet you we may or may not ever hear that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to appear and in, in they're going to be in it. I'm I'm calling it like yeah. we all know that's going to happen. If they don't, if that don't happen, don't make that movie. <laughs> all we need is one shot in the tail end credits of those fucking three guys together. You win forever. Put that in a trailer. Everyone's going to go fucking mm. see it. Like it's such a good idea. Um, but Dr. Strange Marvel sent their cops. They're coming for our hot takes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, putting uh, Doctor Strange in into Spidey's world now, mm-hmm. um, in a world where he has no more Tony Stark, makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. as his mentor. He now gets a another beard beardy mentor, but a smart one. Yes. Well, I mean, they're both smart. They're both smart, but. Um, like Tony Stark needed as much help as Peter Parker in becoming the hero he became. Doctor Strange, much more gravitas, much more serious. Indeed. Um, I mean, but how awesome for fucking poor, you know, Steve Ditko. He's not here anymore, right? He's gone. I think he passed. Yeah, long time ago, if I remember correctly. But Steve Ditko. Yeah, we talked about it on this very show, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, Steve Ditko. Those are his two most famous creations, and both of them, of course, he came up with with Stan. That those two are going to be in a Spider-Man movie together. Because we saw them together in Avengers Endgame. Or, no, Infinity War. And Endgame as well. But the fact that he, like, Doctor Strange is going to be in a Spider-Man movie. And chances are Spider-Man probably going to pop up in a Doctor Strange movie. I mean, if if Multiverse of Madness is leading into Spider-Man 3, Homeward Bound. Um, Which we don't even know if that's the title. No, I just everyone has home in it. So I'm just going to keep riffing on home until I find out what it is. Spider-Man 3, homeowner. Like, that's what it's about. Everyone's like, instead of telling about him running away from the cops, he buys a house. And it's a, <laughs> he buys it right as the pandemic starts. So it's a real pain in the ass. Home renovation. <laughs> and it's like Tom Holland, like you've never seen him before. As Peter Parker throughout the whole fucking movie, <laughs> filling out paperwork to buy a house. It's like, uh, so what's the APR in this mortgage? Uh, 3.7%, <laughs> Mr. Parker. Okay, great. Uh, did, did, the, did the assessor can sign my, off? Can my Aunt May co-sign for me? Yeah. Now, is this an ADU? Do I have to get permits to put a bathroom? People are like, I think I found the Marvel movie that's tougher to watch than <laughs> Thor The Dark World. <laughs> um, hold on. Hold on. I didn't get an HOA here. Uh, <laughs> we need more insulation in the attic. Thrill to the scene where Peter figures out he needs a little more HOA. <laughs> Um, I'm ready for this fucking yeah, picture. Yeah, no. Of course, we're not going to have it like anything until fucking 2021 earliest. I mean, it's it's scheduled to begin shooting in Atlanta in October. October of 2020? October of 2020. This October. So that like means we now. get it when? Oh, really? Like right now? I mean, we're in October. And where are they doing it? Atlanta. I mean, they're all shooting. A lot of good shit happens in Atlanta. 
if it was here, we still probably couldn't go to set. No, absolutely not. Um, and in and Multiverse of Madness is shooting in London. Is it really? It is. Something to look forward to. The only thing to look forward to. Indeed. End of. You end know of what can fucking kill COVID? That movie. You know, it would just it sound would, so stellar. <laughs> the the heat and the light and the blazing glory. It's like a UV of a movie, which is oh <laughs> man, it's great. It's just like it's like Trump said. If we just put it out in the sun, and all the COVID will go away. And this movie here is the sun. This movie is the sun. Uh, even though there's no Tony Stark in Doctor Strange and the Spider Verse Home yeah. Alone, um, Robert Downey Jr. is not done with cinematic universes. But it ain't the Marvel one. No, he wants to make a Sherlock Holmes cinematic universe. I'm all for it. Look, I'll watch Robert Downey Jr. do anything, but I'd much prefer to see him back in the Marvel universe. <laughs> if you're gonna fuck around with the universes, go where you're needed, man. Be the be the fucking voice and be the next Jarvis. Mm. Like he, he, I love him, and I will watch his Sherlock Holmes universe movies, but. Him, that 10 years that he played Tony Stark were 10 of the happiest years of my life. <laughs> and it's because of him. It's really had everything to do with his performance. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was at a, it was a keynote panel at the Fast Company Innovation Festival. Ooh. Uh, Donnie Jr. and his wife, um, producer Susan Downey, uh, talked about their plans for what is eventually going to be Sherlock Holmes 3 and their desire having sort of learned at the footsteps of Kevin Feige mm. on expanding it into something more. Universe building. Universe building. What but, would that include in a Sherlock Holmes? Like um, Mycroft? I mean, Moriarty? They already did Moriarty. They're already in there. Like, you know, you've got Holmes, you get Mycroft, you get Moriarty, you get Stella Adler. Not Stella Adler. Whatever her name, actually. Irene Adler. Stella Adler taught Irene Adler how to act. <laughs> um, but... You know, to a certain degree, like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen did a version of this is kind of the thing that it feels like they're thinking about, which right. is public domain Victorian characters. So you get to fold in Dracula, you get to fold in Invisible Man, you get to you get to fold in all of that stuff. You know who's going to love that if they do it? Hmm. Alan Moore. Oh, man, he will be so happy. He loves that shit. He loves when people, you know, he loves comics. <laughs> that's simple he loves and he loves heroes yes <laughs> he loves it's, superhero comics it's two favorite things in the world there he is man brian johnson himself from yeah. uh, comic book man no that's good old alan moore the man without whom we would not have the modern superhero story that we have today the man who gave us Watchmen, the man who gave us uh killing joke camelot 3000 um uh, uh big numbers uh, from hell. Mm. Y'all know who he is. If you're watching this show, you don't know who Alan Moore is. We failed as Fat Man Beyond hosts. Yes. And he's he one of the legends. They, if they put a fucking Mount Rushmore of comic book writers, British comic book writers particularly, he's definitely on that fucking uh, on the wall. And, you know, Alan Moore has famously um, refused any interaction with Hollywood at all. Anytime somebody makes a, a, an adaptation of a, of a work of his, he never cashes the check. Nope. He doesn't consult. He doesn't. This guy's, switch. he don't have blood in his veins. He, his veins packed with integrity. Indeed. That's, and, a, that's how he lives. Integrity pumps through his heart, through his brain and shit. He's a brilliant genius, literary uh, uh, titan. But indeed. Boy, oh boy, does he not 
like uh, Hollywood. Yes. And superhero movies and comic book movies. So we did an interview with Deadline this oh. week. Uh, in he's which like, I changed my mind. I love it all. No, no. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he said, I, I feel like I should just read some of this shit because it's so good. Uh, question. You said you feel responsible for how comics have changed. Why? It was largely, largely my work that attracted an adult audience. It was the way that it was commercialized by the comics industry. There were tons of headlines True. saying that comics had grown up. But other than a couple of particular individual comics, they really hadn't. This thing happened with graphic novels in the 80s. People wanted, it, wanted to carry on reading comics as they always had. And they could do it now in public and feel sophisticated because they weren't reading a children's comic. It wasn't seen as subnormal. You didn't have the huge advances in adult comic books that I was thinking we might have as witnessed by the endless superhero films. What's your take on the comics industry now? I doubt the major companies will be coming out of lockdown in any shape at all. The mainstream comics industry is about 80 years old, and it has lots of pre-existing health conditions. It wasn't looking great before COVID happens. He's not wrong about that. He's not wrong. Most of our entertainment industries have been a bit top-heavy for a while. The huge corporations' business interests have so much money they can produce these gigantic blockbusters of one sort or another that will dominate their markets. I can see that changing, and perhaps for the better. It's too early to make optimistic predictions, but you might hope that the bigger interests will find it more difficult to maneuver in the new landscape. Um, blah, 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 blah. There's going to be a lot of economic pain for everybody before this is over. I'm not sure if it ever will be technically over until we've reached a better stage of equilibrium, whatever that turns out to be. So you watch no superhero movies at all. What about something a bit offbeat, like the Joker? I don't know why the interviewer is sounding like a like. Hey, buddy! Yeah, no, no wonder he's not. He's giving these grumpy answers, but that's what the guy sounds like. He's like, hey, hey. the Joker? You wrote a key Batman comic book. Like, oh Christ, no! I don't watch any of them. All of these characters have been stolen from their original creators. True. All of them. They have a long line of ghosts standing behind them. In the case of Marvel films, Jack Kirby, the Marvel artist and writer. I have no interest in superheroes. They were a thing that was invented in the late 1930s for children, and they are perfectly good as children's entertainment. But if you try to make them for the adult world, I think it becomes kind of grotesque. I've been told the Joker film wouldn't exist without my Joker story, The Killing Joke. But three months after I'd written it, I was, dr I was disowning it. It was far too violent. It was Batman, for Christ's sake. It's a guy dressed as a bat. Increasingly, I think the best version of Batman was Adam West, which didn't take it at all seriously. Wow. Wow. Yes. The guy who created the killing joke, one of the darkest Batman stories ever written, um, and one of the most beautifully ever drawn by Brian Boland, uh, disowned it three months after it came out. And feels like the best Batman is Adam West. Indeed. See, that's the thing about uh, Alan Moore. Like, you want to argue with his, lo his logic, his rationale. You want to be like, Come on, grumpy grandpa. Let us enjoy the comic books. But he's got pretty damn good points across the board. He, it's a, it's a can't bit, argue with that. Can't, can't argue, argue, especially like that. he pulled all my teeth out the moment he's like, and you know what? I think Adam West is the bat, best Batman. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It feels like Alan Moore, factually, there's, there's yes, it's, a, it's an impervious position he's taking. But his delivery is a bit like, you could have some more bedside matter, buddy. Like, I get it. you got to take the leg. But come on. Yeah, he, he don't sugarcoat it at all. No. It's the difference between, fuck you, and Is there you. anything that you've ever done in this life that you disown as much as he 
disowns, you know, the superhero stuff. Other than my children. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can't stand them. Why did I do it? Oh, no, no, I like, there's not like this. Imagine here, just imagine me being like, anyone likes clerks is an idiot. Like you would never hear those words come out of me. Cause I'm like, anyone likes clerks is genius. Cause I too like clerks. It's crazy to me. Like I can't, yeah, it's just, it's hard for me to relate. Maybe he's like, look, I'm disconnected. I didn't create these characters. As he said, it's a long line of ghosts behind these characters and stuff like that. He disowns comics like ex-cons disown murder. Where it's like, it's some crime I committed in the past. I have moved on. I'm rehabilitated. I'm ready to take my place in modern society. Yeah. You know, like just, and it's as if, it's, a, it's as if Eddie Murphy hated stand-up. Yeah. You know, it's an excellent, excellent analogy. Which is like, and he was one of the best to ever do it. And, and he found out he was just like, well, yeah. It was like, it would be like working with Bruce Willis and finding out he hates Die Hard. <laughs> Imagine what that would be like. In any uh, event. I mean, that's that's a multiverse I don't want to be a part of. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, again, fucking, I'll never begrudge Alan Moore anything he's done more thinking on the subject and than i ever do i'm just i'm the i'm the idiot he's describing like the grotesque who's like give me more i'll even watch the hawkeye tv show <laughs> so i i feel like you know at this point i should just stop reading alan moore interviews because they all say the same thing and so like it's like wind him up and what's he gonna say he's gonna say how much comics suck and it's you know his yeah, fault for doing like it. do us a favor journalists stop asking alan more about comics so that we can stop hearing the answer where we're like oh man i mean he's right but just talk about his new shit just be like hey what are you working on what is he working on he's working on a, a movie right on a movie called the show for the uk i'm not entirely sure what it is it's some kind of trenchant political social sat satire kind of based on the fact that the where he lives in northern england is kind of like the town that progress forgot um and he said there's a superhero in it so clearly that dude's gonna get kicked in the balls a lot there's a superhero in it according to him there's a character who's kind of like a superhero um all right so he's ever creating ever working he is and, and so ever, yeah, ever bagging on comics books. <laughs> just like don't ask him that question guys like hey you'll always get column inches i know and people will always click on it i know but the answers will never change. Yeah, just ask him, like, you know, did you have fun when you wrote them back in the day? And then leave it there. <laughs> just a simple yes or no will suffice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. All right, moving on from Alan Moore. Moving on. Um, are, are you a roller coaster fan? You know, I was until Clerks happened. And then I was like, Clerks was a million to one shot that it worked mm. out. Dying on a roller coaster, also a million to one shot. So instantly I was like, I'm not in good odds anymore. I'm going to stop riding roller coasters. No, the, the, the advantage is to the house at this point. Always, always <laughs> well put and stuff. However, if I had to pick a favorite roller coaster, one that I can still ride today, mm -hmm. probably Space Mountain. Funny you should mention that roller coaster. Is it? It is because Disney is getting, ride, getting ready to ride Space Mountain onto the big screen. Oh, the fuck out of here. Yes. Well, how awesome for them. How depressing for me. The <laughs> Kingdom Keepers show that I was working on uh, for Disney Plus, which um, some guy named Ricky killed, was <laughs> um, Ricky. Ricky killed it. Um, one of the whole episodes was Space Mountain. Mm. And 
Space Mountain in my version was uh, inverted. Essentially, it was a mountain that went into the ground, hence uh -huh. a crater. Um, and the cars were mining cars because they mined like on Space Mountain. But when the heroes got to Space Mountain, they were, everyone was wearing, the episode was about, you know, fucking people with their faces in their phones. So the culture that had settled Space Mountain had gone to like wearing fucking VR goggles and just lived, didn't really live. Mm. Um, our heroes had to teach them how to live again by climbing Space Mountain. That was one of the episodes. I mean, that that right there, A, sounds cool. B, more narrative that has ever existed in the Space Mountain ride. There's, there's no narrative in Space Mountain. There is not. That, so, but to be fair, that's what makes it, like when they announced, oh, we're going to make this a movie. Um, I, number one, it started to explain why they killed Kingdom Keepers. That guy, Ricky, was like, this, this has way too much IP in it. He's like, this has all the Disney IP in it. Why would we do that? And look, that makes sense. You're going to break out like, hey, we're going to do a fucking Space Mountain movie make like half a billion dollars from it, maybe make a few of them, make a billion. And that makes more sense than fucking blowing it on your stupid Kingdom Keeper show. That's what I hear when I hear this is moving forward. Right. Um, that being said, it is like kind of uh, wide open. Like you don't, you know, you're not stepping on any continuity, so you can tell any story you want. You can, it's, it's a blank slate. Yeah. To which... You All know. you need is two things, right? Mm. Space and a mountain. After that, go fucking nuts. Do whatever you, you want. You can do whatever you want to do. Um, but to the same point, there's also no reason to make a Space Mountain movie. Mark, Unlike, there's all the reason in the world. There is. But Space Mountain money. <laughs> that spends so sweet. You know, unlike Pirates of the Caribbean, which at the very least you're like, okay, we don't have characters, but we have a setting. We have this vibe of general piracy. Unlike Jungle Cruise, which is like, fuck it, we'll be on a cruise in the jungle. There's boats. In my Kingdom Keepers show, mm -hmm. um, Captain Hook, of course, was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. One of his henchmen was one of the moon men from Space Mountain. Mm -hmm. Like, who upside down on the bottom of the ship and shit. He, was, he didn't say anything. He was crimson. Yeah. I mean, listen. I, they will make this movie. We'll make all the money. Um, the guy writing it, Joby Harold, is also doing the Kenobi show. For, uh, Who's doing it? Joby Harold, his name is. Um, is in charge of Space Mountain. He's in charge of the Space Mountain. Um, he's also he's working on Army of the Dead for Zack Snyder. He wrote um, King Arthur Legend of the Sword. That, the last King Arthur movie? Yes. Which and I dug. And the one with what's-his-face? With Jude Law and Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, yeah. It worked? Yeah. Oh, I dug right. it. You did see it. Yeah, I dug it. Um, so, yeah. It's going to be a family adventure. What is this cat's name? Um, Joby Harold. Joel? Joby. Joby? J-O-B-Y. Not Joby, Joby, but Joby. Harold? Harold. Harold. Joby Harold is why we don't have jobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, one day, a Joby Harold comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, he's got all, or she, he or she. Uh, unclear. Joby got all the jobs, and we're talking about Joby's work. When did this happen? Uh, when did we get bounced for the likes of Joby? Uh, well, Joby won Kenobi. He's working on. Maybe that's why I got the job. They're like, your name is so fucking close. 
could be. No, they're like, <laughs> actually, you're a good writer. But yes, it helps that your name. <laughs> um, I'm sure they'll find. Um, look, I guess Joby's got a take on it, right? That's why they hired him. He must have. He's writing a freaking movie based on Space Mountain. Who the hell knows what it is? But it's unclear. Um, it's a no-brainer to me that this is happening. It's you know, in a world where they made Jungle Cruise, uh, you had to expect sooner or later Space Mountain was going to happen. Next up, it's a small world, which would make more sense. I'm just saying. What's the story there? Global number one. I don't know, but global hey. involves children. Oh, you know what it is? Hmm. It's Halloween three, season of the witch. <laughs> All those kids have the mask, and they're like. Yeah, or it's cockroaches a, come out. It's of a bunch of adults who get shrunk into being children again, and have to figure out collectively how to make themselves big. But along the way, they learn some shit about. I fucking quit. Stop giving that <laughs> shit away. We know people. We could go into Disney and pitch this shit. It's a good idea. That's that's two. <laughs> Between your Cinderella take and that, those are fucking magical takes. You could be the next Joe B. Harold. Harold? <laughs> Harold, is that what it is? Joby Harold? Yes. You could be Joby, man, but instead I, you fucking blow it here on the podcast. I, I feel like... It's a good idea, man. Like, fucking the world is on the brink of war, and then fucking, like, some magic figure, like, turns everyone into children, and fucking so the world is nothing but children. It's a small world, and they have to figure out how to fucking take us back from the brink, and I want to see your movie. You're... Make your movie. That's $60. You guys, let's go. <laughs> Some of that Joby Harold money right there, yeah, man. Maybe I can get the Critical Role folks to help me kickstart it. Fuck, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Fuck, fuck this show. We're going to pitch that. That's a good idea. <laughs> I don't care who heard it. Just mind wipe it out of your heads. Dear Disney. Could totally do that. You know they're going to be very particular with their It's a Small World movie, right? Yeah. So that's like a crown gem ride for them. But like that's... That's clever. The whole world has to work together. As children, and everybody has turned into a kid. What fucking child wouldn't see... <laughs> Who wouldn't see that movie? Every kid would go see it, in theory. And at the end, they decide not to be adults again because they'd like another shot at being kids. You're going to make me cry. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so some choose to remain as kids or they yeah. all return... So they never have to go back to the worst angels of their nature. It's all the better angels of their nature. Mm. Stop telling people this gold. <laughs> God, that's good. Um, all right. Well, Space Mountain, not going to be nearly as good, I'll be honest with you, as Mark's pitch for fucking It's a Small World. I don't care how much work Joby does on it. That was Joby. That was a billion-dollar pitch right there. Someday I'll grow up to be Joby Harold. We could all make that Joby money. That's what we're talking about, man. Uh, Disney loves Joby. Why can't they love us? Jobu. Uh, teach us, Joby. Teach us the ways. Fuck. Of Jagobi. Of Jagobi. Of <laughs> and he's doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, yeah. too? Or he or she? This person. Good. Uh, Good for them, bad for us. We're going to take a quick swing into, into Kitty Zone. Okay. Um, DC and Warner Brothers are aiming at preschoolers with bat wheels. Saw this. Yeah. This is a show that features the famous vehicles of the DC universe, including uh, the Batmobile is the main character. His name is Bam. Yep. They call him Bam. Then sure. the Bat Cycle is a girl. BB. Then the Bat's Wing. Jet. 
named appropriately Jet. Mm -hmm. Red Bird is Robin's motorcycle, the Red Bird. Yeah, and the Bat Truck is Buff. So it's about it's a Batman family show featuring all the cars. Indeed. Which, you know, kids sure. love cars. Or they used to in the 70s. I don't know about anymore, but I mean, kids I think, used to like cars. I think they're still part of, you know, your three, four, five-year-old kid just playing with shit. JC, you got some thoughts over there? I'm just looking forward to the episode that Wonder Woman's Invisible Plane cameos. Look at that. Fuck or it, maybe some, it's there the whole time. That's some good writing. Yeah, she's up the, the villain, end. like in the end. Like, fuck it, I was here the whole time. You fuckers you just didn't see me. <laughs> I like your version right. of the show. It's a Everyone stop giving out good ideas. Only bring your trash to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Things um, that need to be workshopped. Indeed. Instead of just, we're, we're just giving giving away diamonds. I will be honest with you. Um, I, I support the existence of this show. I cannot imagine no, no, watching no. it beyond the first episode, but it's not being made for me. It is not for you. You are not the audience they're aiming for. Oh, oh really? Well, then I'm watching every episode. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, out of spite. Yeah, how dare you tell what's, me I can't watch the What's Bam up to this week? Um, boy. He's got a flat tire. I'm telling you, in a world where you can go pitch that show, we should be able to go pitch it to Small World. At the very least, we'll watch people's expressions change and be like, oh, my God, that would be an amazing movie. Yeah, we'll never do that. But yeah, that's but a, fucking that's a pitch. how good of you to come. Uh, similarly, um, Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, that's a, a kid's show. A kid's show on Nickelodeon. Uh, which Star Trek about, for children. Star Trek for kids. Let's get them while they're young. Talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and at New York Comic Con, um, they announced that Kate Mulgrew is returning to the Star Trek universe to Captain play Janeway? Captain Janeway. So what, she's going to do a voice on the kids' cartoon? She's going to be like one of the main characters. She's going to be as like the, Ka Kate Mulgrew as Captain Janeway. As Captain Janeway. How nice for her. Like, you imagine, you know, she was like, I probably never play that fucking role again. Absolutely. And then here she is doing it. Were here you a fan did. of Captain Janeway? Um, I was a fan of Captain Janeway. I didn't watch all of Voyager. Like, I think Voyager, Voyager hit me at the time when my Star Trek saturation was a bit too much. Right. Like, like Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager to have three shows on at the same time. You were like, it was a fucking five-year mission. Wrap it up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Land this bird. More birds? Fuck. But uh, but no, I I totally dug her portrayal, and I, and I think she's a fantastic actress. She was uh, Mrs. Uh, Columbo early That's on. Right. In the 70s or 80s, she was, uh, you know, part of the shtick of Columbo is like, well, my wife, and you never saw her, you just heard about Columbo's wife. They did a show called Columbo's Wife or fucking Kate Columbo, I think it was, mm. or something like that. So it was all about his wife. That's how I first got introduced to Kate Mulgrew. Did she only play characters named Kate? That's it. She's like, I'm yeah, not fucking... This is all I do. What was Captain Janeway's first name? Kate? Kate? <laughs> was it? Catherine. Are you serious? Yeah. I think we stumbled onto something. It's like the Tony Danza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same way. She's like, I went to the Tony Danza school acting. Like, listen, he's he can play it. I can immerse myself in a character if the character shares my first name. <laughs> because I don't like having to pretend to like answer when people are calling my name. I just want to be able to answer at my name. She's like, look, I hate lying. I like authenticity. <laughs> so when people say Kate, I respond to Kate. But if people say Captain Jane away, yeah, I can't be like a Marsha. I just my ears don't work for Marsha. I'm with you. Um, and here's a couple of stories. I'm pairing the stories at this point. Okay. About shows that uh, that have seen untimely demises. Um, <sighs> the first of which... Reaper, Clerks cartoon. Yeah. List yeah. goes on. Sadly. 
What are they? Um, Swamp Thing. Oh, that was a show that was happening for a minute on the DC Universe. Yeah, back when there was a DC Speaking Universe. Speaking of Alan Moore, guy that fucking redefined this character. For sure. I wonder um, how he feels about that. He's always, you know, fucking, you know, like, oh, superhero, so stupid. I wonder if he's still, like, but my Swamp Thing shit, now that's <laughs> genius. Yeah, you'd leave that alone. Like, he should stand by that. I know, he should stand by all of it. All his work is brilliant, but that Swamp Thing shit. Mm. Oof. My God, to take a character that goofy and turn it into what he turned it into. Reboot my life, Alan Moore. <laughs> but don't talk about it. Yeah, but don't <laughs> shit on it afterwards. I rebooted Kevin Smith's life. Three months later, I realized Adam uh, West would have been better. <laughs> honestly, it's a story for children. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Kevin Smith was invented in the 30s for 12-year-old boys. <laughs> Which sounds dirtier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it makes me sound like Stormfront. I've just been around forever. <laughs> Speaking of Stormfront, before we dive back into this. Yes. You finish up the boys? I finish up the boys. Let's just stop for a moment and fucking blow Kripke. What a fantastic season. That uh, show is great. I, I, you know, we had talked about it when it first started. And I was like, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what it's about. Like, I'm here because I like the characters. And, yeah. And it sort of pushes some shit. Then when it revealed what it was going to be. and what Then you're like, about, oh, shit. Huh. And then there's like some speechifying in like seven and eight, which is like direct parallels of the speeches that at least one candidate for president keeps on spouting all the time. Yeah. Like, and it's very specifically modeled after that kind of, kind of go, go, rah, rah, isolationism mm -hmm. and exceptionalism and racism. Um, and to, to encode superheroes with that level of vitriol is a thing that I hadn't seen before mm. and and makes it feel so much more resonant and relevant than it might have ordinarily. And there's a sequence in the very tail end of the of the finale with Homelander that is just heartbreaking and devastating. Which one? It's it's when Homelander decides what to do about his son. Um and he's standing in the woods and he's covered in fucking blood. And his decision tree as to, do I kill all these people? Mm. Do I not? Do I, do I take possession of my son, who's legit my son? Do I not? And just watching it all play across his face. And you hear the, the sort of like faint, Homelander, Homelander. And it's mm. all about whether love. or not. The love he never got as a kid. The love he never got as a kid. Um, it's just that character is still my favorite character of yeah. it. He's, he's fun to watch. His performance is like, yeah. he's like J.R. and You love to hate him. But his so, performance, what's the guy's name? Um, Anthony Starr. So fucking good. Somebody I saw on Twitter this week was like, there's your earbard fawn. And I was like, fuck yes. Mm -hmm. Cast that guy yeah. as the reverse Flash, man. I don't know if they've cast that yet, have they? I don't know. He's so good on that fucking show. So good, I might go back and watch Banshee. I like mm. watching that guy. He's such a good actor. But yeah, and just the, the things they've done with, like, what if Superman was a real person? Mm. You know, and what if uh, he was an orphan who never had the Kents? Yeah. You know, what if he just never felt love? And like, of he course. He would be on top of buildings jerking off. <laughs> you know, and like Crazy. that sequence, I think it's in like the fifth or sixth episode, where he uh, he's giving his apology address to the crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he has that flash of the dream vision where he's where he literally fucking vapor, just laser vision is just vaporizes everybody, yeah. just cutting swaths through citizens. And for a second, you're like, oh, I 
believe he would do that. Yeah. Like, this doesn't even have to be a dream sequence. Like, that could just be what happens. I was a little disappointed it was a dream sequence. Kinda. I was, I was just like, like, oh, man, that would be like, oh, fucking... Fuck. But then where do you go from there, story-wise? Right. But yeah, I remember there was, there was a line in, like, The Authority, a comic that I loved, which said something to the effect of, like, can you imagine what a Majestic-class superhero could do if he's angry? You know, and that's why you need some kind of backstop and a. And a that's why I need kryptonite. It's or it's why you need to keep fucking Homelander's son separate from Homelander. Like yeah. the only person on the planet who has a chance of taking this dude down is his own kid. And then that's true. Season I hadn't three. Even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some mention of it. I think when Billy Butcher's sitting down yeah. with, with Gus Fring. I mean, he's like he was talking. About, he was wonderful, man. He's always so. He's great. always great. But I love you know fucking he he um um going back to do the right thing is bugging out. Yeah, Jim so Carlo Esposito is like one of our finest actors, and has had like this incredible career where he's now as a as a grown ass man, like become a guy in demand mm. like thanks to breaking bad probably yeah. is where it really started happening for him and stuff but he always worked but mm-hmm. now he's like you know showing up in these exquisite scenery chewing fucking appearances like in mandalorian like in the boys mm. yeah i'll watch him do anything yeah now it's the, like what do we have Yo, sal do? we're gonna boycott your fat pasta ass <laughs> you're gonna boycott me <laughs> uh so yeah no the boys i'm I, I I really, really loved how the season just kind of found itself a bit and, and righted itself and became about something legit and frightening and awful in a way that as much as I love the first season, it didn't. Um, I also like the little love story between the two kids, between Starlight and mm. Huey. Oh, I think yeah. they're adorable. I think he's wonderful. Um, yeah. Every now and again, Dennis I look, Quaid's at, his, kid, yeah, I look at his face, Jack Quaid. Looks exactly like, it's like you're doing the smile and that's fucking Dennis Quaid's smile. Totally. It's but so he's weird. so fucking good in that show. The last episode, I was uh, like, oh, that fucking wrapped up quick. Like, I, I thought we were going to 10. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it was just done at 8. But still wrapped up nicely. There's one scene where the fucking girls, there's a girl fight that's just fucking phenomenal. <laughs> the whole thing's fucking great, man. Like, hats off. I, You know, the only downside is fucking, it's done for a while. Yeah. But season three was, it's Jensen Eccles is coming and playing... Mm-hmm. Soldier Boy. So we got things to look forward to. Indeed. Um, but Well done, Amazon Prime. Well done, Kripke. Yeah. And well done for Seth not canceling Evan. it. Um, because what happened to Swamp Thing is that it launched on a service that nobody had or could get and watched. And so it was actually a very good show. Like I Well liked. made and it cost some money, too. They spent cost money. Some money. Um, they canceled it literally because of budgetary issues. They couldn't, you know, the, the story had been... We can't afford the sets. That we was it. They were like, we can't put, if in order for us to just store the set, which was very elaborate, they built a swamp on a soundstage. Um, it was going to cost them like millions to just store the set in case they went to a second season. So at that point, they were like, fuck it. We're just calling it. No more. Yeah. Like we can't get the audience to justify it, you know, and so fuck it. We're killing it. And the DC universe was, you know, HBO Max was coming. <laughs> it was. And so the CW... Um, knowing that their fall season was going to be delayed due to COVID was like, well, fuck it. We have a whole season of the superhero show. Let's just acquire it. We'll, we'll pay for the rights. We'll retransmit it. It'll be new to you if you never have the DC Universe app. Mm-hmm. And just, we're filling air. The ratings have been pretty great. 
Is that right? Yeah. Like it's, it was something like the best ratings they had in that time slot since like April. Sorry. Gave the networks eight o'clock hours, largest audience since May 19th. In the 90 minute period, it's best audience since February. Wow. And like, you have to think that somebody now is like, it's like, did we cancel it too soon? Where are those sets? Yeah. Can, can, can we not? Can we uncancel it? Can we? You know, I could see it playing more on a CW channel, too, because there is like one of the the underpinnings of the swamp thing that made it so wonderful was the relationship between uh, Alec Collin, the swamp thing and Abby Arcane, like the same way that remember Beauty and the Beast mm -hmm. was a big hit for them and shit like that. And any show with star crossed lovers, I could see this really like catching on and not just saying like with a CW audience with an audience period like there's mm -hmm. there's it's creepy it's you know the character's creepy and unsettling and spooky but also romantic and and like you know in that same way that beauty and the beast was like oh she's fucking not a beast and he is and mm -hmm. how can they be together same thing here he's a fucking plant he'll never be a human being again which is what you find out in the comics so i don't know if they did that in the show but i could see it connecting yeah, like with know, a real audience. Not that the DC Universe audience wasn't real, but they had the Titans coming their way, you know, and shit like that. So Swamp Thing was less a priority for them. It's good news to hear this. I'm yeah. happy for them. And I think that there's a world in which this show could kind of Constantine itself, which is Constantine went for a year on NBC, was canceled, but the character mm -hmm. was able to kind of reabsorb back into the CW. Yeah, he became a member of the uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And so there's no reason why you couldn't reabsorb Swamp Thing and just make him a secondary character for a season or two on The Flash if you wanted to. Very true. Excellent point. Um, and as for a show that had been uh, sort of picked up the series um, was Mark Millar's The Magic Order. Mark you... Miller. We always say Millar, but it's Is it Miller? Miller? No. It's the, the L-A-R and not the E-R. It is. It's the, we, we think it's Millar, but it's Miller. Mark well, then Miller, it's Mark Miller. You had a deal. Mark's got his own movie universe, um, yeah. or comic book universe, rather. What was it called? It's Miller World. Miller World. Um, the Netflix acquired Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Yeah, um, they bought, like, this was a couple years ago. It was big news when it they was bought his entire universe. It did. And, you know, there's a bunch of, like, Jupiter's Legacy, American Jesus, Empress, Huck, Sharky the Bounty Hunter. Everything but the ones we know, like Everyone the but Kingsman. Hit, and, yeah, Kingsman and, and hit, hit Girl and uh, what was it called? Kick-Ass. Uh, Kick-Ass. Yeah, those, since they had already been bought by somebody else, they were not part of the right. deal. Um, and so Jupiter's legacy is already up and running. It had been shot, like that's coming out. But The Magic Order was this book. Which is a great idea. It's five families of magicians sworn to protect the world must battle an enemy who's picking them off one by one. So by day they live among us as like neighbors, friends, co-workers, but by night they're the sorcerers, magicians, and wizards that protect us from the forces of darkness. Like, that's cool. Oh, man. Um, there had been at least... Do they have sanctum sanctorums all over the world to protect a, you'd, you'd, from the dark dimension? You'd hope. Um, but the, the upcoming series, after at least two stabs at writer's rooms, is now not going forward. Are you kidding? Yeah, Netflix has sort of canceled the thing that they initially greenlit. They're uh, they've, they've been tightening belts over there. It seemed like a lot of cancellations. They canceled uh, two of Genji's shows too. Um, yeah, Glow, Glow, which had been around for a few seasons, but one only one season of Teenage Bounty Hunters, and mm -hmm. they killed that as well. Yeah, I mean, Glow, I think had been. I mean, the Netflix algorithm seems to favor two to three seasons. Yeah, 
Um, but you know, Glow had very also, British in that way. Very British in that way. Glow was compounded by the fact that the entire show was based on uh, a large cast wrestling with each other. And so, how do you in the shoot age that? of COVID? How does one make that happen? Right. And the what nobody talks that much about is that COVID proofing a set is an expensive endeavor. Yeah. You know, not only are you cost a bunch of money. Josh and Liv just made a movie. Josh Roush and Liv Roush. And um, a lot of their budget, like amount that I was like, are you kidding? Had to go toward COVID safety, getting people tested every few days on set and stuff. Yeah, like all of that stuff, just the, the way you have to redo craft services and food and the fact that being COVID safe takes time. Yeah. And time on an episodic budget money. is money. Yeah. And somewhere's up, sometimes up to like $50,000 per episode, overages in, in time and budget is enough to sort of motivate cancellations on a show that was not on the rise, but actually on the, the gentle decline. Like, people loved Glow. That's not the issue. Mm-hmm. It was, are we going to make more money by spending more money on it? Or, like, have we, has it peaked? Right. Um, and so... The weird thing about Glow is they said yes. Like, with this, they were like, yeah, we're doing it again. But then right. they were like, eh, in retrospect, COVID, fuck it. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of decisions made based on the reality of having to film in this environment. Um, Town reacting, too. Everyone getting real, like, kind of, oh, Netflix canceling everything. It's like, Netflix pays for everything. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, if they're like, look, we're done after three, like, I respect it. Mm. Yeah. And so the Magic Order, um, even though Netflix seems to want to continue developing it, like, they like the book, mm-hmm. but I guess they weren't happy with the versions of the scripts that they had, mated with the uncertainty of shooting, like, kind of a global show at a time when, like, Europe is experiencing a spike. Yeah. And the Czech Republic in Prague is also on the upswing of COVID cases. And that's probably and... where they'd be shooting. Totally. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 an unfortunate result. Um, but it's not over yet. Mm-hmm. Just for now. Just for now. Put a pin in it. A pin Could come shall back. be put. Mark's lucky and talented. I'm sure things will work out for him. Is yeah. that all the news? That's all the news, my friend. Look at that. Mark Woo! Bernard just rounded up all the news for you. All the news that's fit to print. I will be your Joby. Let's uh, let's see the Joby of news. <laughs> uh, let's go over to JC at the JC desk. JC, hey, JC how desk. has chat been this evening? Chat's been pretty good. Right on. Pretty good. So while we're uh, talking about chat, this is the part of the show where JC goes trolling through the chats to find the questions that you want to ask him and me. This is the Q&A part of the show. And JC is rounding up some questions. What's our first question, JC? All right. Alperox wants to know. A L P E R O X S. Alperox. 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 Like Herb Alpert? What's that? Like Herb Alpert <laughs> yeah, rocks? Because I, I, I agree with that 100%. So. He really does. I am Herb Alpert. <laughs> All right, what's uh, what does Herb Alpert want to know? Uh, they uh, they are interested in knowing if you got the opportunity to have something named after you, what would you choose and why? Glory like- hole. <laughs> Everyone will remember that. I got sucked off of the Kevin Smith glory hole. <laughs> I like, got the t-shirt to prove it. Yeah, fuck. Best blowjob ever got from a random in my life was in a bathroom at Kevin Smith glory hole. Uh, what would I like my name to be on? That it already is enough. Hmm. 
like a Cuisinart? Like, <laughs> is there any is there any boundary for this? Well, like you know, if you can I be on Mount Rushmore? If you discover a disease, they name the disease after you, or Whoa. like a comet, oh, or something like oh, that. Oh, so it's not just yeah, it could be anything. All right, library, yeah. good point. Um, streaming service. One that was as popular as Netflix, because then people would be saying my name all the time. Kevin Smith. Oh, I was watching Kevin Smith last night. What was he doing? Um, <laughs> he had a show that he canceled after two seasons because the algorithm said he had to. <laughs> I, I don't like know. My name I don't, algorithm. <laughs> I'm not the. I'm not Trump, so I'm not like I gotta put my name on shit, especially because my name like sucks. <laughs> Smith. My name's already on a bunch of shit, and it's like, like we make horseshoes, swords. <laughs> Leather, <laughs> um, just BDSM gear. Yeah, if you ever want to <laughs> sling a poor sling, you want to fuck while you're elevated. Some Smith's making that somewhere. Um, hmm. Podcasting equipment, mm-hmm. maybe. It's an interesting question. I'll keep thinking. Like a Smith you. microphone, maybe. Yeah, like a Smith microphone or something like that. Nice. I want space battleship Bernardin. Battlestar Bernardin. Fuck yeah! I'd watch that fucking show. <laughs> so wait, is the show about you or the ship is just called Bernardin? Do we get to do a flashback episode as to why the ship is named after battles after Bernardin? Uh, you know, that's entirely up to the showrunners. But I feel like having your name on a giant ship would be cool. Every episode, there it's it right is. There, Bern- the Bernardin. There's always a beauty shot of the of the ship passing by. And for short, they call it the Mark. The Mark. It's the Bernardin Mark II. <laughs> Because the first one got destroyed. Yes. And that's in a flashback episode. Yeah, the first well. one just blew up in dry dock because it was built wrong. <laughs> and they're like, and now we turn the key. <laughs> Why is this the Mark 8? Huh, funny yeah. you should ask. Weird you say that. It took us a few times to figure, <laughs> don't turn the engine on in dry dock. Get out of space, turn the engine on. Um, that's a smart call. Yeah, no, some giant big fucking thing would be cool. Um, there's already a restaurant named uh, that I share the same name of, so that's not so cool. There is a place called Bernardin's. Le Bernardin. Um, here, I got it. Ooh. A uh, porn website. Because everybody goes to those. Mm. And if people are like, I jerked off on Kevin Smith last night, that's hot. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there you go. And it would be true. Amen high. They jerked off on Kevin Smith. It <laughs> sounds like a riddle. That's a riddle. That's a riddle that the new improved Riddler can use in the Batman movie. Matt Reeves, call me. I got dirty riddles. <laughs> When is come not happening? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I got to work on a draft. What's the next question, JC? Uh, this one's from Jamie Coy. They want to know, uh, or they want to know if you were to recast the Perfect Stranger sitcom with two superheroes. <laughs> so, like, my vote would be. Uh, what a wow. great question. Teenage Groot and Chewbacca. Wow. And every episode could just. Re- and with Stand Chewbacca ripping his arms off and then Groot regrows his arms. On the wow. wings of a dream. I am Groot. This is an incredibly specific question. Yeah, this is, man. I wonder if they're just a big fan of the show and they were like, I always wondered who would be better than Balky and Cousin Larry. <laughs> Fact that I know those names. Mm. Give me points. Um, okay, let's see. Perfect Strangers. We got a version of it within Deadpool with... Uh, you know, what's his name? Colossus, right? They're a mis- mis- mismatched couple. And one's got a funny accent. Does one have to be from a foreign land in order to make the perfect strangers? I feel like 
Probably, right? So, or else it would be the odd couple. Yes, mm. good point. So Dr. Doom, okay. he would be like, you know, Balky, getting everything wrong and shit, and then being mad and killing people. And then uh, Reed Richards. There you go. And they were that could be in college and shit. This could be a Fantastic Four prequel. There you go. That's how they met. And in the beginning, he was like, I got to look out for this idiot. He's from Latveria. What a fucking goon. And then the other guy goes from being like, in Latveria, the government kills you to becoming fucking like, you know, I am doom. So you get to see the birth, the rise of a villain. But you get the laughs up front. It's like the Hamilton, but of like, hey, Burr and Hamilton are buddies. Yes. One guy's going to kill the other one in yeah. two hours. Just, or like Smallville, <laughs> right? Ten years and they run that shit where it's like, he's Clark Kent, he's Lex Luthor, they should hate each other, but they're buddies. <laughs> All right, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to go um, Fat Thor mm. and Okoye from Black Panther. Then I go around. Okoye... Uh, the the head of the uh, uh, Malara Dora Malaja. Dora Malaja. Yes, I feel like she's fastidious. Yes, uh, he's Fat Thor. Why was she up there that whole time? <laughs> and he's just he's like, hey, this is Thor with the hammer, still fucking with my friend and on the internet. Periodically cries because he's, <laughs> he's lost he's people. Said, so he's like a Pete. Why? So which one's the foreigner? Which one's the Balky? Um, I feel like Okoye is the Balky. So he's the cousin Larry. He's the one who's the most accustomed to being in the world, and he could show the ropes too because he's like, oh, I was like you. Yeah, there was once upon a time I also didn't know what the fuck this was. It's a phone. Look, I'm all for more Hemsworth. <laughs> and if it was a series weekly Hemsworth, I'm there. He's funny. Oh yeah. All right, dear Disney Plus. Here are our ideas. Please make this show. What about Nightcrawler and Dick Grayson? Because they're like ah. both from the circus, but he's like German. <coughs> That's fucking good, man. They are both from the circus. Yeah. And you can call it like. How you come know, they never did that in any fucking Marvel DC crossover? Like one panel where they're like, um, I, you know, my family was killed on the trapeze, and he was like, I was the best in the Munich circus. I forget his line. But- <laughs> He, that that's that's a good call. But well it, that is like a lot of sad Dumbo's though. Yeah, <laughs> this is the sad Dumbo show. Like it's, uh, it's called Sad Dumbo. <laughs> circus orphans. Hey, this is great. <laughs> circus orphans. <laughs> <laughs> the smell of popcorn. The loss of parents. <laughs> what happened to your mother? <laughs> she fell from a hundred feet up. Oh, my mother was shot by but Nazis. I became friends with an elephant. Yes. So it all works out. Um, the saddest circus ever. <laughs> Carnival. <laughs> Coming to HBO Max. Um, all right, that's two. Give us a third. All right, the last one. Uh, this is from Steve Lee at the Hollywood Sound Museum. Steve Lee, his name is an adverb. Well done. <laughs> How'd he do it? He did it Steve Lee. <laughs> uh, he is interested in knowing what are your favorite sounding movies? Not just music, but the sound of the movie, really. You were like, oh, that was incredible. Mm. What a great question. Very good question. Um, I'm going to... I'm gonna. I mean, look, there are many well, you know, fucking mixed movies where you're like, holy shit. Um, uh, uh, Kubrick was always very good with sound. 
Uh, I'm not saying I'm better than these people, but one of my favorite sound movies is a movie I made called Red State many years ago. Um, there is no score on that movie whatsoever. We didn't hire anybody to do a score. There is nothing but sound mix. And at one point, we rhythmic we rhythmically loop the sound so that it has a percussive, almost musical feel to it. But it was a it was an experiment in like let's keep this as terrifying as possible without telling the audience how they should feel, yeah. without telegraphing like something bad's about to happen. Here comes the intense music and shit. So I love that movie because when you watch it, if you ever get to watch it, it's a sound mix that's unsettling as fuck. And you, I, I don't know that anybody ever clues into the fact that it's got no score. Hmm. And I always tell people online, like uh, people who are like would be music, you know, uh, movie composer, score, whatever the fuck. People that want to be Chris Drake or, or uh, fucking, uh, what's his name? Bear McCreary. Yeah, or Bam, or, or, or Bear McCreary, or um, what's it, fuck, you know, the, the famous guy that everybody did Batman. John Williams? Oh, Danny Elfman? He's famous, too. Danny Elfman was the one I was trying to reach. Um, if you were ever like, I fancy myself one of those cats, but I got no movie to score, you could literally take Red State and create a whole fucking score for it. Hmm. Can't do that with many movies without stripping out their score right. and shit. Um, so, yes, I, I know it's patting myself on my, on my back. But I'm not plugging. You can't watch it anywhere unless you buy it on iTunes or something. But Red State was my favorite sounding movie. Nice. Um, I, I, I'm torn between two movies. Torn between two movies. Um, the first is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, which great I, sound. Which I remember seeing. Remember him it, going in the water? and you, Yeah. And you just, yeah. Oh, my God. Great sound. I mean, the first 15 minutes are amazing. But even... The tail end of it, when that last stand in that town, and you just hear the tanks off in the distance, and yeah. you hear the rumble, and you see like the the pebbles start to move, like and like La Vie en Rose is playing on a record player that's just kind of warped and old. Like it's the sound bed is just gorgeous, mm. um, and Mad Max Fury Road, like that movie does so many things so well. But the thing I don't think it gets quite enough credit for is just the bananas bonkeringness of how much everything sounds both alien and old and mechanical and big everything's on fire all the time and then there's a fucking dude playing a giant guitar on the back of a truck and all of that shit needs to sound like a hundred trucks moving down the road plus guitar in the distance and oh there's fire here and dudes on these fucking polecat shit like all of it's just gorgeous so yeah those two movies to me a lot of work on that sound mix. A lot of fucking work. You know who else does really good, interesting sound mix? Not like fucking crazy, over the top, expensive, but always like his sound is is equally as important as his visuals. David Lynch. Mm. He's always doing creepy shit with fucking sound. Like he sets a tone with shit that shouldn't be there and stuff. Gifted, very gifted. Um, great two examples right there. I forgot about Saving Private Ryan, man. Fuck, the sound in that movie is amazing. Um, look at that. Three questions. You asked of we those questions three, and we have answered thee. So three. Fuck off. <laughs> That's not how we end the show. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck you. Go home. Fuck you. We're um, done. That's all we got though. We ran out of material, man, on a Saturday. What time is it on Sunday? It is twenty minutes to seven. Are you shit me. Yeah. Fuck, man. What a long show. You know who I blame? Ashley Johnson. She was so interesting. I know. And fucking, she gives awful interviews, apparently. I know. Like fucking, <laughs> boy.
boy, talk about like, that's something you say before the interview. You're like, I'm bad at this. And then when you do it and everyone's like, hey, you were really good. I've never met anyone who in the middle of the interview is like, I'm bad at this. I'm like, you're killing it. You're doing great. Um, what is the name of the foundation? Uh, Critical Role Foundation. There you go. You watch her uh, show. Well, can you watch Critical Role? Are they, they're doing it or no? Because um, of the COVID. I believe they're doing it. I think they're they're Zooming it in the way that everybody else is Zooming it. And there's it, some it Critical it. Role content out there you can find. There is. Oh, there's plenty. There's audio podcasts. There's video versions of the, of the campaigns. There's, you will not go hungry looking for, I mean, unless you're looking for food. But if you're looking for Critical Role shit, it's out there. Criticalroll.org, is that what she said? Criticalrollfoundation.org? Uh, yes, that's where you can get to the foundation. Um, did you enjoy what we did here today, ladies and gentlemen? You know what we're going to do tonight? Huh. Going back to our separate dwellings and probably do the same fucking thing. You're going to watch Lovecraft Country? Hell yeah. Tonight is Lovecraft Country. It's the second to last episode. This fucking show is phenomenal. Tonight's the night. So damn good, man. I know like Lovecraft. 2020 has been a fucking just a... A, a, a burning glory hole of a year. Something you stick your dick into and it gets chopped off and burned and then handed back to you. It's terrible. But there have been some cool things like The Boys Season 2, mm -hmm. Raised by Wolves, and fucking Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Mm. Always something to hold on to hope for, man. Uh, there it is, kids. Uh, did you enjoy yourselves? I know we sure fucking did. There'd be no show without the guy who's like, let me quick Google some shit to talk about right before we go. <laughs> the newsman of our show. Give it up for Mr. Mark Bernardin. Thank you, sir. Uh, and we thank JC for opening up the Scum and Villainy Cantina for us. We thank Andrew for making sure everyone sees every angle of us. Um, we had a very small audience here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we thank them. Deacon was here. Jamie and Shannon all here watching the show, just like back in the old days. It was. When people would come and have a good time, you could hear laughter and shit like that. Um, and thank you, all of you, for tuning in and giving us a fucking watch and and uh, being patient with our bullshit. How many people do we have in the chat tonight? Uh, we peaked at about, oh, well, watching, we had 3,600 is about where we peaked. Look at that. 3,600 people with nothing to do on a Sunday. Well done. <laughs> Thank you yes. for spending that time with us. Now we're going to go back to our families. The, the Sunday shows, we're competing with the NFL, too. Is that Although, right? Uh, there's football yeah. games on right now. And they're watching us. That's yeah. right. It's pretty yeah. good. Maybe there's not that much crossover, but... <laughs> no, yeah, I don't really know what the <laughs> crossover Can't is, imagine but... people like, I love fucking Fat Man Beyond, but fuck, I love me some football. Yeah. I'm the only... I'm the crossover, apparently. <laughs> pretty He's much. like, man, I'd like to be watching the Giants play, but I gotta go do a podcast. Not me. I'd much rather always talk about make-believe shit. <laughs> that's what football is anyway, right? It's a oh, game. Yeah. Make-believe. It's not Nonsense. real. Nonsense. <laughs> Thank God we ain't got that football audience. We could say shit yeah. like that. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Grow this up. This episode is brought to you by the NFL. <laughs> yeah. It's nonsense. Fuck your nonsense football. <laughs> anyway, Green Lantern's coming. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, ladies and gentlemen. For Fat Man Beyond, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Tune in next week. Same fat time. Same fat channels, podcast.com or YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. For the good of all Cree and Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. 
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.